is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Red Belt Report the monthly MMA podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm Brooks Fallon. And we have a special guest with us back again. It's Alex Kidwell from Rob Has a Podcast. How's it going, man? Good, good. I'm excited. I'm happy to get to talk some UFC again. This yeah. is fun. This is something that I really enjoy and don't get to talk about too often. So yeah, it be good. Definitely glad to have you back. I know they say don't meet your heroes, but wasn't a problem for me when I met you in March up in New York for the Live Rob Has a Podcast uh, event. So that was that's cool. nice. That's nice of you. I think you should set your standards a little higher. <laughs> hey, you got you got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, that was fun. And uh, yeah, I guess before we get into the events of UFC 211 and whatnot, I wanted to see where your head is at. I know you're a newer MMA fan. I feel like this has to be your first lull, or at least stretch of not so great MMA. I feel like 2016 was a pretty great year overall, not too many uh, downtimes. So how are you feeling after the last three or four months? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think, you know, when I really got into it, you know, like on a level where I was starting to watch everything that was, you know, all the pay-per-views and all the... You know, a lot of the Fox cards and stuff was around UFC 200. So, yeah, that was like last July. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. But even though, I mean, obviously the first quarter of 2017 has been, you know, obviously uh, down relative to, you know, some of what we've come to expect with, you know, Connor on the shelf and Ronda, you know, potentially done. We don't know what the deal is there and, you know, everything else that's going on with a lot of the people that had really established themselves in this sport. Um, you know, I, I haven't gone anywhere. I've hung around. I've watched all these cards. Um, I've enjoyed some of them more than I expected. And then, you know, some of them, it's just like, all right, well, this wasn't great. But, you know, it's just the, um, you know, the knowledge of kind of what's the calm. There's certainly some things coming down the pipe that I think are exciting. And then this past pay-per-view, you know, I think, you know, for weeks going into it, it was really one of those cards that you're looking forward to because you just look at it top to bottom and it's just stacked. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, and the good thing about MMA, at least for me, why I love it, is even if it's not a great card, there's always something you can pick out of it. There's a good knockout or maybe an up-and-coming fighter you didn't really know about before then. Might not have a big name appeal, but there's always something you can take from each event, for the most part. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, all right, well, UFC 211 took place in Dallas, Texas. And, yeah, they made sure that they didn't have their fourth consecutive disappointing event. UFC 208, you had, what, Jermaine Durand to me versus Holly Holm was the main event. Well, it was a decent fight. The card as a whole was pretty bad. 209, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, the fight I was looking forward to the most probably of the whole year, gets canceled, like, the day before the event. And then UFC 210, with all the weird regulatory and inside the cage, like, fouls being called and... And Anthony Johnson retiring out of nowhere. Pretty crazy stuff. They had to go all out for 211 and uh, make sure no, nothing bad happened. Uh, 
So what are your thoughts overall on the card, Brooks? I thought it was good. Um, a lot of really good fights. Um, you know, the alvarez Poirier fight was kind of, the way that turned out was a little upsetting, but it was a good fight until then. Um, yeah, it was definitely, it was nice to kind of get like a nice stacked card again. It was yeah. a sellout, it was a good crowd, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How about you, Kind of upset thing was the Cejudo fight falling through, but yeah, that's true. How about you, Alex? How'd you feel overall? Uh, I mean, yeah, great card. I think it's a testimony to how good the card was that I totally forgot that Cejudo Pettis was supposed to be on this card until you just said that. Like, yeah. I that had completely slipped my mind because there was so much else here that was like, you know, really exciting. So yeah, I mean, I think. If there's any complaint about this card that I've seen, it's that people wonder if they did too much here and that, like, maybe they should have saved some of these fights for, you know, the coming weeks and stuff, which I think, you know, if that's the complaint, I guess that's a good complaint to have. Um, Also, yeah, I mean, there was just, you know, both from the matchups and then ultimately from the results, I think there was pretty much every kind of thing, like, you know, every kind of style of fighting every you know kind of finish and outcome i mean for the most part i guess there was there was really no submissions except for like that very first fight on the prelim card but you know for the most part like it was really um just a very well-rounded card uh, you saw a lot of just kind of everything it really showcased like what ufc is and can be i think on a lot of levels like you said i mean you know the alvarez poirier the way that kind of plays out is disappointing but you know, it was a good fight up until that point, and, you know, I, they both seems you know, inclined to want to run it back. So, I mean, that'd be cool. I think, you know, you could go ahead and set that up again, and people wouldn't be too disappointed based on what they'd saw, seen up to that point. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, yeah, I agree. The card was stacked. Obviously, the top, I don't know, seven, eight fights or so had a lot of good name value and importance in their relative divisions. But I thought even the fight pass prelims and – the first couple prelims on the card with people that I wasn't too uh, sure about uh, delivered, like action-packed fights, finishes. It was all there. It had it all. But at the very top, might as well start with the main event. We had Stipe Miocic defending his belt against Junior Dos Santos with the first-round knockout. Becomes the, well, I don't know, fifth or sixth heavyweight. Ties the record for title defenses with two whole title defenses <laughs> uh, he took the belt from Verdum, Fabricio Verdum, and then obviously knocked out Alistair Overeem. This is his fifth knockout in a row. Defends his last loss against Junior Dos Santos. Pretty, uh, pretty impressive stuff here. What do you think, Brooks? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely impressive. Um, it sucks for Junior Dos Santos. What's that, his third title shot? Yeah, so, first third uh, title loss in a row since yeah. having the belt. Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know, that kind of sucks for him. I feel bad for him. He was definitely upset. But, yeah, it was definitely impressive by Mucic. Um, something happened to his shin or something early on. It was either checking a kick or getting kicked by a kick. I forget what it I was. But DeSantis was throwing them low leg kicks and pretty effective. And I think Stipe smartly just turned on the, the pressure to try to get out of there quickly before uh, that could get any worse. Yeah, yeah, before it became like a real issue. So, yeah, I mean, he turned on his boxing and – um, just started popping Junior and even Junior was saying he was like I got hit and I was like I need to move I need to move and then he was like uh, that's all I remember so <laughs> he definitely got popped yeah absolutely uh, Alex what do you think is, this is um, 
Stipe's, I don't know, when did you start watching? Like, have you seen him grow over your time as being a fan? Uh, I've gone back and I'm, I'm a fan of Stipe, so I've gone back and watched a lot cool, of Stipe cool. fights. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I have a good, um, grasp on like the arc of, you know, Stipe Miocic, the UFC fighter to a degree. Uh, and I just, I think, you know, he's one of these guys and, you know, or one of these fighters. And I think we'll talk about another one in, in, in you know, with the, the co-main event who it's crazy because as good as they are and as dominant as they seem, you know, every time they fight almost, they just seem to get better and better each fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stipe is one of these fighters where he just, he continually looks better. Um, it's almost like he's fighting, you know, the only person he's fighting right now is himself because it doesn't seem like the opponent is really providing, um, you know, a worthy challenge. Obviously it's heavyweight. Anything can happen. You know, pretty much any matchup at that level is going to be basically a coin flip for betting purposes. And, you know, I mean, Dos Santos had, you know, every chance going in. And I think, yeah, I mean, two really good kicks to Miocic's leg. And he, I mean, you know, he even said, I think, in the post-fight interview that he felt like that he had to, you know, go for broke at that point because he, he knew that leg wouldn't last that mm-hmm. much longer for him. So, I mean, that's crazy. That's kind of the nature of heavyweight. It's just, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. But, yeah, I mean, once he got in there, once he started delivering blows, I mean, so Santos just, you know, his first instinct was to back away and he just found himself against the cage and he just didn't get off the cage. I mean, he just, he froze. He just, whatever it was, he couldn't keep moving to the point where Miocic just got him kind of trapped in a spot and just, you know, one really good hook just kind of ended it there. That was, that was impressive to watch. Yeah, for sure. And that's always been, I think, Junior Dos Santos' uh, biggest weakness that Cain Velasquez exploited originally is that when he gets in a little bit of trouble he tends to just back straight up and once you're against the cage it's hard to escape but as far as Stipe I feel like he was always uh up and comer for a while a prospect even at what I forget what he was when he first came on to the UFC like 30 31 and he was like one of the youngest heavyweights in the division I feel like at that point and he put on some good performances but he lost to Stefan Struve he lost a close fight to JDS the first time a couple years ago. I just feel like since then, he's really improved his accuracy of his striking. He's always had pretty good power, but especially these three title fights in a row, the way he knocked out Verdum while he was backing up, uh, he just has perfected his timing and accuracy. He tends to hit people right on the button, seems like every punch he throws. So that's been pretty impressive. Brooks, what do you think is next for Stipe here. Can he break the record? There's no clear front runner, I feel like, but plenty of options. Yeah, I've heard some talk of Francis and Ganyu, which he's a beast, you know, but I don't, he's not very proven, but um, I think he started fighting in MMA in 2013, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he's Stipe's been in the UFC longer than that. Yeah, yeah, I think he was, he was like homeless in France in like 2008. Like, this guy is not that... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that long to the world. Yeah, it's scary to think how good he could get in a few more years. Yeah, so I don't know if he should be next. I mean, maybe a couple more fights for him. I mean, it would be awesome if Cain Velasquez could heal up quickly. Yes. I think that would be a fun fight. That would be a big test, but he's got to prove he could stay healthy, I feel like. they got to at least get him through another, like, top contender fight first. Yeah, and I think it's like, I think he's at the point in his career where every training camp is, like, killing him. Um, yeah, I mean, didn't they pull him from his last fight because he was complaining about pain in this right. training camp? Yeah, he admitted to 
uh, using marijuana to help with the pain because it was so bad. And yeah, they pulled him. I feel like he was supposed to, f I can't remember. Was it Verdum, right? He was supposed to fight. Verdum yeah, on the it was the number Rousey one fight. contenders match with Verdum. And he basically, and it was like, he kind of got caught, right? Cause he was like implying, like he was, he was, I think he was trying to sound like a tough guy. Right. Yeah. But he basically said like, Oh, I should have had surgery a while ago and I'm going to wait till after the fight to have it. And yeah. then the doctors were like, wait, what? Like, yeah. No, that's not that's not okay. You can't do that. So like, I'm sure there was some truth to it, but like, I don't know how severe it was, but certainly he shed light on it by you know talking about it the way he did. Yeah, and I think he was doing it to sound like a tough guy. Like that's the way it came off to me. I agree, and it's weird because he's usually just guy... to say he's not tough. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's usually a guy that doesn't really say much to the media. That's why it was surprising that all that went down. But yeah, I guess. We also got Verdum, who is fighting Alistair Overeem for a third time coming up in July. I guess if if he beats Overeem, he could deserve a, another shot at that title. And who was the other one? I feel like there was – oh, Derek Lewis. He's going to be fighting yeah. Mark Hunt coming up in June. And I think he's on a seven-fight win streak. So if he beats Mark Hunt, and especially if he knocks him out or beats him impressively, I feel like he could have a pretty good case – I think Nganu, the only way I'd give him a shot is if they want to give Stipe a quick turnaround to try to fill out a card because Nganu doesn't have any fights lined up right now. I think they want to try yeah. to match him up with Cain Velasquez. I think I heard that, but so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Stipe is trying to rush back. He said something about trying to have a baby and he wants to take some time. So I don't think he's trying to rush back. Yeah, that's fair too. I mean... As far as preference, I think I'd. I, I hope Derek Lewis knocks out Mark Hunt and gets a title shot. That's my preference. I love that guy. How about you, yeah. Alex? What, what would you like to see? I, I I probably have to agree with that. I mean, looking at these heavyweight rankings, there's just no real clear cut answer. I think, like I said, Ngannou needs to prove himself a little bit more. I think if Lewis can pull that win out, he uh, he deserves a shot. I don't know how well it'll go for him, but he's probably the the number the the answer if he beats Mark Hunt. Yeah, and just imagine the post-fight interview if he if he wins the title. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> Alex, what would, you, what would you like to see? Yeah, it's tough because like just with the, with the way the timing works out with who's fought when and stuff. Like it, I think like in a perfect world, you know, Kane would be healthy, and you know, you'd match up Stipe with uh, well, like I guess Kane could you know face Ngannou now mm -hmm. and then you know the winner and then the winner of that could face the winner of Lewis Hunt I don't know I mean and then yeah I mean for Doom Overeem could kind of and then the winner of Lewis Hunt could fight Stipe and then kind of you know the winner of Verdum Overeem could be on deck for the winner of that I guess I mean I think that would be ideal obviously Kane's not you know we don't know what the deal is with Kane and the fact that Ngannou's like ready now I think almost makes me want to say like even if he's not ready like go ahead and make the match with Ngannou yeah. Yeah. Um, you know it gives you a, a like a sick you know fight it, you know and I know maybe Stipe doesn't want to rush back and I think honestly that speaks to why Stipe is so good is because he's not like saying like yeah I want to go for the title like the idea of winning three in a row means nothing to him like he's like uh, yeah it's not even much of a record like you know right, he's right. a very grounded very kind of stoic individual like he doesn't ever get like too emotional and I think as a heavyweight that's pretty you know important because you know one little slip up and you're done so uh, he's, he's good in that respect but yeah I mean you know I think Obviously, Derek Lewis has to beat Mark Hunt, um, but you know, once he does that, then he's you know every bit I think as deserving as anyone too. Yeah, 
In a perfect world, you want to break that record and prove that you're the best UFC heavyweight of all time by beating Cain Velasquez, but we'll see if that could happen or not. Well, let's, oh, I guess we should say Junior DeSantos. What's next for him? This was his first fight in a year, I believe, since he beat Ben Rothwell, which was a great performance by him. But other than that, he got knocked out by Overeem, got demolished by Cain Velasquez. It's, it's tricky because it seemed like he was kind of on the comeback a little bit. Well, obviously one of the greatest heavyweights of all time as well with his title run, but I don't know. I think he's sticking around. I guess he just goes right back into the mix of things. Yeah, he said he wants to come back quick. I don't know, maybe give him like a like an Alexander Volkov or somebody like that. Yeah, he needs a bounce back. As Luke Thomas likes to say, a uh, tune-up fight would be nice. Yeah. But let's move on to the other title fight of the night. One of my favorite fighters... In the sport, Ioana Njacek, she defends her title for the fifth consecutive time against Jessica Andrade, who came in and I felt like she was potentially Ioana's biggest test to date. She had dropped all the way down from 135 pounds to 115 pounds and just demolished the first three fights she had at that weight class. Serious power, pressure fighter. But it turned out, Joanna, she is like... The female Jose Aldo just put on a striking clinic for five rounds, and it wasn't even close. This this chick is just uh, one of the pound-for-pound pound best in the sport, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. She becomes so much more awesome every fight to me. I mean, she's, like, just incredible all around. Yeah, fun to watch, I think. Like, I think some people might be bored by her because she doesn't have a lot of power to finish fights, but, man, I'd watch her fight... Every Saturday night, I don't care. How about you? Alex? Yeah, yeah. No, it is insane. I mean, she was the other person I was talking about. Where it's like to be that much better than your opponent and to seemingly get better every fight. Like the only person she's chasing is herself. I mean, it's really incredible. It's like, I mean, it's almost you know, I'm sure this is what. And I wasn't around, you know, at the peak of it, but I'm sure this is what people felt, you know, watching Ronda Rousey when she was going on her run and just like arm barring people in ten seconds, like. Joanna, you know, Joanna isn't finishing people to the same degree, but it's just a clinic. I mean, it, at no point does it ever really look, no matter how good the opponent is, because it's not a knock on Andrade, but at no point does it really look like she's out of control. You know, we talked about, like, you know, how Dos Santos got trapped against the cage and then it was over. Like, Andrade repeatedly, constantly tried to trap Joanna against the cage, and she would just continuously kind of maneuver her way out of it. She was always you know, light on her feet and a step ahead. Her cardio is just absolutely insane. I mean, yes. to be going at the speed and the rate she does for five rounds of five minutes and to be throwing kicks, you know, as often as she does and just constant movement. And, you know, Andrade, I mean, was, you know, has seemingly much stronger lower body was thrown around a little bit. But Ioana, even when she was on the ground, she was rarely on the ground for long. I mean, it's just amazing how, like, there's really no facet of the game that anyone's been able to you know try to introduce no matter how the how good they are at it that's really bothered her and you know we keep thinking you know people keep saying like oh well maybe this is a new element or a new challenge for her but i mean really it seems like the best anyone can hope for is like a 50 45 type of decision and you know it's just you know <laughs> by round three or round four we kind of are just waiting for the inevitable result because i mean it just comes down to how picture perfect or striking is i mean yeah. whether she's like delivering these multiple combos or just like these like just kind of tight little like one-off jabs i mean she's just so consistently delivering it 
right in you know just a perfect location her reach is so so good i mean you can tell like you know relative to andrage andrage might have been you know 135 once but joanna is a longer much longer fighter and you know she's always able to like you know land a really nice crisp jab before you can get inside yeah i think what really sets joanna apart is her ability to just keep she gets so much better as the fight goes on and it just sep- it just separates her from her opponent so much. Like the first round was pretty close in this fight, but it just as the fight went on and on, and she just got so much better. And um, so I think that's really what sets her apart. I mean, they're 115 pounds, so like not having the knockout power, I don't think is that much of a knock on her. Um, Agreed. But yeah, she's just stellar. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And let me rephrase: she's Jose Aldo with an endless gas tank, because yeah. yeah. Well, it's like Floyd Mayweather, I think. Yeah, I mean, basically that Claudia Gadea fight from the Ultimate Fighter finale last summer was like when it. She really proved to me and everyone that she doesn't get tired. It doesn't matter because she got wrestled for ten minutes, beat up, and then just looked like she just woke up out of bed and beat her up for the last three rounds to to keep her belt. <laughs> and uh, she's so smart. She's a smart fighter. Comes in with a great game plan. Starts off, she's just jabbing. She's letting you do your thing, let you think you have a chance. And then she figures you out and tunes you up for the next four rounds. Because by the second round, I was like, well, this is over. <laughs> this yeah. Nothing's happening here. Uh, she's got a great chin. And I just feel like she's constantly improving. Even even still, she's constantly yeah. getting better. And yeah. with the prospects of a new weight class, 125 coming in, I feel like Conor McGregor's going to have company soon as a two-weight class champion here. Definitely could. And, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, one thing she's really, really good at is she never finds herself, like, in a panic position where, like, someone's on the inside kind of just delivering multiple shots. Like, she's never there. It seems like everyone's there at some point, but she's never there. I mean, she's so good at, like, just kind of, you know, delivering a shot that makes you hesitate about coming all the way in for, you know, any kind of clinch or she, you know, delivers these, like, she's really good at these front kicks that mm-hmm. just kind of, like, back you off and back you off and back you off. And then even when you do get in on the clinch, like, she's just this world champion Muay Thai fighter who could just, like, really mess you up in there. So it's, like, your best case scenario is to take a few shots just to get inside. But then once you're inside, you don't necessarily have any kind of edge. I mean, it's really, really, like, what do you do? Yeah. It's just... I could just we could praise her for hours. She's so good, but uh, let's see. Is she already the greatest women's fighter of all time, or not? I I would say yes. Yeah, I mean it's close. I think maybe in the next fight or two, I would have to say yes. But I mean, people forget. I mean, I forget just how dominant Ronda Rousey was in those couple of fights with against like um, who the hell she fight? Kat Zingano and. Alexis Davis, yeah, Sarah and, uh, McMahon. Oh, yeah. I mean, she just, I mean, she beat them all in like, it was like three fights in a combined like minute or two. It was like crazy. True. And as I wrote in my post UFC 211 thoughts column on Baltimore Sports and Life, uh, I don't see Joanna folding like a cheap suit at the first sign of adversity, though. That's the difference. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It didn't happen for a long time for Ronda Rousey. I mean, now that it's happened, it happened, and it's tough to look differently at it. But yep, yeah. I just don't know if I would put her as the best ever yet. 
Yeah, oh, I, mean, I think the one thing you have to give Rhonda is just like it was so incredible how quickly she was finishing, you know, other women who are at the top of the sport. You know what I mean? I think like what Joanna does is so impressive. And, you know, not to be not to take away from, you know, a really dominant decision versus a finish. But I think, you know, there is something there is some kind of statement made when, you know, all the build up and all the hype to a fight. And then Ronda just submits you in 10 seconds. I think that that adds to like the mystique and the legend, oh, yeah. I think. Like the Mike Tyson sure. level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, and it, it's the same thing when Connor calls his shot. You know what I mean? It says yeah. like, I'm going to knock this guy out in the first round and then he does it. Or uh, it's going to be a, you know, a submission in the second and then it is. Or so, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's that kind of mystique building that kind of like grows a person into a, like a character that's bigger than themselves. Absolutely. And I don't mean to take anything away from Rhonda. She's obviously great. I would put her 1B to Ioana's 1A, but I almost feel like the fact that Ioana doesn't finish her fights early is more impressive because she gets to show off her skills. But I mean, it's a pick your poison. Both are great. So, yeah, no, that's fair. And I think obviously, like, you know, regardless of kind of which side you would fall on, I think it's clear that they need to really be doing more to promote you. Oh, because yeah. like the fact that we're having this conversation about is she better than Ronda already? But like the average non UFC watcher totally knows who Ronda Rousey is, but has probably no idea who you want to is like, I think that's a mistake. Because it's not like she has a bad personality. She's really interesting. Like, from everything I've seen, she's a really interesting person who's really dominant at the sport. So I I think there's really no reason for her to not be getting, like, a Rousey-esque push at this point in her career. No doubt about it. she's been talking a lot lately, like, really working on her entire package. Like, she just signed with a new management team, which is McGregor and a lot of other people's management. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Even talk. I mean, she speaks perfect English. She was even talking about, like, working on her accent, just, like working on the way she presents herself and her entire package. And she always talks about making sure she keeps getting better fighting-wise. I mean, that's just going to – that's obvious. But she's really, like, working on the way she presents herself to the world to really draw that star power. Yeah. I I love her accent. I hope she doesn't lose it. But, I mean, they love promoting women's fights, it seems like. They're always putting them on the the main or co-main of these Fox cards. Maybe put her next title fight against Rose Namajunas on the main event of a Fox card and – See if you can't get some more eyeballs on her that way. But hopefully yeah, she gets so more draw. Um, as far as Jessica Andrade, I still think she's like one of the top five in the division. And hopefully she can find a home here or maybe 125 when that new division gets created. She's a very likable fighter. Always smiling before, during, after the fight. Uh, not much to hate about her. I mean, she proposed to her girlfriend at the post-fight press conference after getting beat up for five rounds. I thought that was pretty cool. So, Yeah. yeah. She's still only 25, too. It's like, yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot of career left for her. Yeah, no She's very good for 25. I mean, it's hard to imagine that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to think that, you know, I mean, at some point, you, you would think there'd be a window for her. You know, I mean, time is on her side, at least when it comes to Ioana, So, But, yeah, like you said, also it'll probably help to have another division. We'd see what happens, but I mean, I, I I think she's a really interesting case study in someone who was able to come down twenty pounds and feel like they hadn't really lost their strength. And um, I think you know, I think we're seeing more people like experimenting with moving up or moving down to try to you know, mm-hmm. just I mean, you know, everybody's different, and it's it's interesting about like some people the weight cut really ruins them, you know, and they shouldn't be doing it. Uh, so it's I think it'll be interesting to see going forward, you know, fighters like Jessica Andrade. Um, if there'll be more examples of someone who can, you know, kind of uh, 
do like you know the reverse Rumble Johnson, I guess, <laughs> yeah. and like take take keep the muscle while losing weight somehow. For sure, and that's why I'm really glad they're adding the 125 pound division. It gives us a lot more breathing room and options for these fighters. And Andraj, it's she might have dropped 20 pounds, but she's short and she doesn't look drawn out or or like it took that much out of her. She looks pretty good at that weight, so uh. we'll see what happens. But Damian Maya, he won a split decision against Jorge Masvidal, which was an interesting watch. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought, if you thought it was entertaining or not. I know I enjoyed the the cat and mouse or strategic play of the match where Maya, he just wants to get a hold of you, get your back, work his way for a submission, or just, you know, ride your back for two or three rounds and win a decision. And, you know, the UFC obviously doesn't want him to get the next title shot. That's why they tried to get him to sign this fight and he decided to take it, which was risky, but it narrowly worked out for him. Did you guys score the fight for Maya, first of all? And then what did you think, Brooks? Yeah, like I, the first time I watched it, I kind of scored the oh, I really did score the draw, but I rewatched it uh, today and I definitely scored it for Maya. Um, I thought it was a great fight. I didn't think it was boring. Um, I thought it was really impressive. I mean, Masvidal definitely came prepared for uh, Maya's jiu-jitsu, but Maya's, <clears throat> Maya's still able to get that. I mean, he was like riding his back while Masvidal was standing up, and he's still able to get that position in that body triangle. And Masvidal was doing a great job of defending the choke with like 2 on one and uh, stuff like that. But, I mean, uh, Masvidal did end the first round, like punching him from the bottom, but um, I still... Maya, uh, Maya was controlling him for most of that round, so yeah. I gave that to him. Definitely gave the second round to him. Um, so it was at least two to one, if not even three to now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I had it twenty nine, twenty eight for Maya. No matter what happened at the end of the first round, he wore him for three and a half minutes almost, working for submissions constantly. And I feel like the second round was probably the closest. I I think I gave it to Masvidal just because he was able to keep it standing for the first half and uh, did land a few shots there. And then it was impressive that Maya, I thought he was going to be gassed and, and lose the third round for sure, but he showed a lot to, to get it done. So Alex, what did you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, while watching, I didn't really score it at all while watching it or anything. Uh, but I thought it was a really, uh, you know, really compelling fight, even if it wasn't necessarily like the kind of fight that like casual UFC fans, you know, it wasn't just like back and forth necessarily. Um, but it was, yeah, really strategically interesting. Um, if I if I had scored it, you know, being probably, a, you know, I'm sure being like a relatively newcomer to a relative newcomer to the sport speaks to this. But I probably would have scored it for Masvidal slightly um, just because, like, I probably would factor like, you know, damage in more than a fan who's been watching this longer. I think maybe that's like something that just like on the surface level you know, it seemed like he was delivering a lot of shots that, you know, there was no uh, reciprocity for. And then, you know, certainly anytime, you know, Maya had control, Maya got him on the ground. It was all Maya. But Masvidal avoid the submission, avoided the submission. So, you know, ultimately at the same time, it's like, well, you know, Maya has taken some damage. Masvidal avoided the damage. So it's, I mean, it's interesting. And I think more than anything, this was such an interesting fight for me to watch because I, I, I looked at it as like, kind of a compelling case study in, you know, what's important in how you score these things. Because I, I think there's a lot of subject, you know, 
even just listening to people who know what they're talking about, there's a lot of subjectivity, clearly. And, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm realizing, like, even people who are supposed to be experts on this, there's, there's still not really uh, clear-cut answers when it comes to some of this stuff. But really interesting to me that both, like, certainly with at least the second and third rounds, it was, like, right at the mid-mark that the fight went to the ground. And the fight was on the feet for the whole first half of those rounds, and the fight was on the ground for the whole second half of those rounds. And it really did, like, is there a better case study for what you determine as important in these things and how you score it than this one? I mean, I think it really, like, helps to kind of outline some degree of a hierarchy in terms of what's really significant with these fights because it, to me, it was like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get any closer just in the way that, like, it was... First half Masvidal, second half Maya. First half Masvidal, second half Maya. It was really crazy to watch, I thought. Yeah, I don't think there's a better uh, film to uh, give to the judging schools and how they, you know, learn. And Yeah, I mean, it's insane. Like two and a half minute mark almost every single round when it switched gears. And I was messaging Brooks the night of the fights and said, I gave it to Maya, but I couldn't be upset if Masvidal won because it was that close. So... Certainly. And even like that last shot, you know what I mean? Like almost that walk off punch that he <laughs> yeah, had, yeah. which like first step for a statement, you know what I mean? Like that goes to that makes you want to give it to him even more. Like, yeah, what I think needs to be said here is like like you were saying, Alex, he scored more towards damage, and these new MMA rules that some states have and some states don't do take more damage into effect. But of course, Texas has the old rules. I think we really need to get these unified rules again, where every state is following. The same rule path. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll get into that with the, with the yeah. Eddie Alvarez fight for sure. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, impressed with both guys. I don't think either one lost much stock at all. Um, do we give Maya the title shot? Is that what is that going to happen? Absolutely. Yeah. Give him a, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Do you give him a chance against Tyron Woodley? Yeah, I think he's going to beat him. Ah, uh, that would be. It's interesting because Woodley, man, if he punches him. It's going to hurt, but as we saw in that Thompson rematch, uh, sometimes he just doesn't throw a punch, so it could be interesting. Yeah. I just yeah. think if Maya gets that backpack right on his, uh, Woodley's back, I just don't know if he'll be able to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Woodley, I mean, yeah, not only does he have a lot of power, but, I mean, he's a great wrestler, but Masvidal is a really good wrestler, too, and Maya was able to get on his back, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, I, I certainly don't think if it comes to – uh, you know, a jujitsu, you know, situation that Woodley is anywhere he wants to be. Like Maya's definitely got him in deep water at that point. So uh, it really just comes to you know, can Maya get inside and get get there? You know, without Woodley kind of hammering away on him too much. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I I think Woodley's strength might be a little too much, but it it'll be interesting, just like this was as far as the strategic aspect of it. But let's move on to. Frank Yeager putting an end to the Ayer Rodriguez rocket ship. Uh, really, really put it that in him. I mean, this was coming in. This is the fight I was most looking forward to. I was curious to see if Yair and just how good he was because he's still only 24 years old, just wrecking people left and right, but no one in the upper caliber. And Frank Yeager is as top caliber, top quality as you can get in the featherweight division. So this was a real test. I... I thought Edgar was going to win a decision, but no, didn't even go to that. He took him down at will and just beat the living shit out of him on the ground. <laughs> Elbows, punches, swelled up his eyes so bad that they had to stop the fight after the second round. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, it just goes to show how well-rounded Frank Yeager is. I mean, it was a big test for Yar. He's been on a roll, and he he hasn't fought anybody nearly as complete as Frank Yeager, and he's just got it all. I mean, he's got the great boxing, great footwork, and like you said, he was taking him down at will and busted him up with those elbows. That had to suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Frankie Edgar just demonstrated like he's so much more of a polished fighter, you know. And I, you know, it's unfair now because people, you know, Yair has been doing so good and he's been so incredible. He's been like one of the most talked about fighters in 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with kind of a lot of the bigger names being out. I mean, he is kind of just a human highlight reel. I mean, the bicycle kicks to the head and all kinds of crazy stuff, but. Uh, you know, it's a shame, I think, because now people are going to play, you know, a little bit of like Monday morning quarterback and say, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, maybe Yair isn't that good, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, well, he's very good and he's 24. And, you know, I think really it's easy now in hindsight to be like, maybe they pushed him too high. And, you know, I guess, yeah, if we had the benefit of hindsight, maybe we set him up with like a Jeremy Stevens or like a Dennis Bermudez or someone first. Because, like you said, I mean, really, you know, I guess, like, the best opponent he's had to this point, you know, maybe, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, obviously BJ Penn. He didn't fight BJ Penn. Penn. He fought, like, you know, he fought, you know. The ghost in the the, shell of BJ Penn. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the ghost of BJ Penn future, right. And, like, you know, so, yeah, maybe, like, Andre Feely is probably the best guy he's had to this point. You know what I mean? And that's not nothing, but that's also another young up-and-coming prospect. I mean, Frankie Edgar is just, like, a mainstay in this division. Like you'd think maybe give him someone else. That's like an in-between. I don't know if it's a, yeah, right. A, you know, I mean, any of these guys that are kind of in the middle, I know he's already, you know, sitting there at seventh overall in the rankings, but there's a lot of guys beneath him that have much more, uh, accomplished histories in terms of opponents. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a setback for him, but it shouldn't, you know, keep him down. I mean, at his age and given what he's able to do uh, at times, I mean, he's he's got a shot no matter who he's fighting because of his dynamic offensive style. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think I still have high hopes for his career. Absolutely. I I still love Yair Rodriguez. I think I still think he'll be champion one day. This reminds me of Mac, so. Max Holloway when he was like 19 years old, 20 years old, first coming to the UFC. And he got beat down pretty good by Dustin Poirier. But it's just a litmus test. Now he knows where he stands. Now he knows what he definitely needs to improve on. I think his offense will always be there. Now he can focus and either, I guess not decide, but either he's going to be an Anthony Pettis where this is kind of a heel for him the rest of his career, or he could be someone that goes out, works on at least being adequate at takedown defense or getting up from being on his back. And, um... I mean, he'll probably never fight anyone as good as Frank Yeager, or at least not many as good as Frank Yeager again. I think more for me, this just says Frank Yeager is nowhere near done. He is, it just shows how good Jose Aldo is because he's the only guy that Frank Yeager's lost to in like six years or something like that. So I think uh, Frank Yeager, he's got to be hoping Max Holloway beats Aldo so he can get another shot at the title. Because there's no yeah, way they're giving him Aldo again. It's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think this kills Yair Rodriguez at all. I just think as long as he learns from it, um, he'll definitely come back and still be up in the upper echelons 
Um, he's really young. He's got all kinds of time. So I don't think this kills him at all. It's, I mean, everybody loses. So yeah. like I said, as long as he learns from it. Yeah, exactly. And now he can fight Dennis Bermudez or, or Jeremy Stevens. And yeah. Either he can, I think he would destroy Jeremy Stevens. To be honest with you, I'd like to see that fight next. Both coming off of losses, so mm-hmm. hopefully that's where that goes. Yeah. Seven eight matchup according to the current rankings. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess the pay per view curtain jerker was David Branch defeating Christoph Jacko by split decision. Now this was probably the only. I wouldn't say it was a bad fight because it's obviously two top ten middleweights or close to it. But it just—I think it was a style matchup that lended towards a more boring fight. But it was—it was interesting to see David Branch come over from World Series of Fighting, return to the UFC after winning ten in a row outside the organization, winning the light heavyweight and middleweight championship. Thought it was a a good way to bring even more blood into an already pretty stacked middleweight division right now. And uh, he passed the test barely, but he did it. What do you think, Brooks? Are you impressed with David Branch, or are you thinking he's a <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was enough to really impress me. I mean, I'm glad he got the win. I would have hated to see him come in and lose his first fight in the UFC after all he's done. But, I mean, it was, it was definitely, I thought it was a little boring. It was a lot of, uh, like, stalemate kind of against the cage and stuff like that. But I've never, I didn't see him in the UFC before. I didn't see much of him in the uh, World Series of Fighting. So I hope for his sake, this next fight, he'll get like a bigger name and we'll put on a better performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Alex, how about you? What'd you think of this fight? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with a lot of the, you know, excitement and, you know, stuff that was going on on either side of it. But, um, it, it, while it probably wasn't like the most exciting fight, I thought it was really compelling. Just, I mean, for some of the reasons you said, like, I think it's really cool that this is a guy who, not only won two belts, but actually defended them, which is what you're supposed to do if you do that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I mean, he won middleweight and light heavyweight. And then, like, yeah, defended middle. I'm looking at it now. Defended middleweight April 2nd of 2016. Then defended light heavyweight in October. Yeah. And then defended middleweight again in December. Like, that's how it should go if you manage to win two belts. Like, that's pretty cool. So I like that a fighter like that is in the UFC. Like, you know, I like that level of versatility. I like to see guys that, you know, are – and I'm sure that's where they're going with this. Sign more guys that are able to, you know, bounce through weight classes seamlessly, that can take fights on short notice if we need them to. David Branch probably fills all those uh, all those slots. But, uh, you know, I think ultimately, yeah, it's a close decision. But, you know, Christoph Chotko, I mean, this was a really highly touted prospect. This guy, I mean, that's only his second loss. He's 19-2 and two now. I mean, even if a lot of these names aren't, like, big names, he's been in the UFC since, you know – 2000, the end of 2013, and yeah, I mean, that's only his second loss, so I mean, he's, he, he beat Talish Latis, he's coming off that win, so I mean, certainly not a nobody that David Branch has, has beaten, so he's kind of come in and uh, put his stamp on a division that, you know, puts him, you know, take a number, dude, that's unfortunate, <laughs> yeah. you know, as good as you are, um, it's a long, long list ahead of you. Yeah, for sure, and I agree about Jocko, I actually picked him to win this fight, just because... Me too. I thought... He's a tough kid. I mean, he's he's still young, still improving. I think maybe this might have been his first uh, pay-per-view main event. Or not main event, but main card. So maybe that kind of played into it some way. But yeah, I think we'll hear from him again, I'm sure. But as far as Branch goes, 
maybe Anderson Silva needs a fight. I don't know. There's so many fights in uh, in middleweight for him. You could plug him in anywhere, like you said. So just good to have him have him around. He can jump up to light heavyweight where there are no contenders whatsoever. So plenty of future left. Uh, let's get to that Eddie Alvarez Dustin Poirier controversial controversial fight. Um, I thought it was maybe fight of the year until it ended, uh, especially that second round. I mean, that was insane. Yeah. Um, just Poirier putting it on and looking like he was going to finish the fight. And then apparently Conor McGregor is the only guy that can knock out Eddie Alvarez <laughs> because he just came back angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. And he started hitting back harder and harder and turned into just a straight up brawl until the unfortunate illegal knee that, did not get a disqualification. It got a no contest instead. What did you think of this fight, Alex? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you said it, that the fight until the stoppage was a great, great fight. I think everyone was really enjoying it. You could tell the crowd was super into it. Um, you know, they even talked immediately about running it back because it seemed so clear that that was, you know, it was really, uh, it was really a crazy fight. They were going all out, both of them. But, you know, I, I was obviously, you know, I'm still not 100 percent. I mean, I'm sure there's people who know more about this sport that were confused about what was really going on there. I think it's interesting that like Herb Dean is definitely like one of the best referees there are, the best officials for the sport. But it always seems like lately, um, at least, you know, since I've been watching, it seems like all the controversial fights end up being his fights. And I don't think it's really his fault. But I think this is a lot of things lately have been happening in Herb Dean fights where it's just like, oh, man, again? Like, yeah. And I think this is one of those where when I first heard about it, um, it sounded like based on all the all the details that I was like, wait, what? Yeah, why isn't this a, a disqualification win for Poirier who, based on the rules as they are in Texas, as I understand them right now, um, was the recipient of an illegal knee, the first one, even if it was an accident, like the second one is clearly illegal or whatever. And so as a result, you would think like, right, that's a, a, a DQ for Alvarez and a, a win as a result for Poirier. Um, but I guess like, you know, in hearing more about it and hearing kind of some of the details out of it, it sounds like Herb Dean is saying stuff like, I mean, Herb Dean, I guess, is one of these guys that really is adamantly not a fan of the nature of kind of the game of whether you're not, whether or not you have your hand down or in like using that as an opportunity to take a moment and kind of not allow yourself to be hit with the knee. I mean, he really felt like Poirier was kind of playing the game there. I think, you know, I mean, Poirier even right after that, isn't saying like, you know, yeah, it was illegal. He's saying like, don't boo this man. You know, we were in the middle of a fight. It was a brawl. Like things are crazy. Uh, that stuff happens. So like the more I hear kind of, testimonial after the fact the more i hear herb dean say stuff about like poyer kind of putting himself in a position to try to game the moment and then alvarez just being like in the flurry of a fight and just kind of delivering a thing like the no contest thing makes more and more sense to me i think and i don't know really if by the letter of the rule that's even how it's supposed to go but i get why it was called that way now where i think like in the immediate aftermath of the fight i was thinking like wait why isn't this a dq yeah, I yeah. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I still think it's a travesty and should have been a disqualification loss. And it's not I, – I don't blame Alvarez for it. I He just got yeah. his head beaten. Of course, I mean, he's in a fight. He's going to just react. And uh, But it just – I can understand the game aspect as far as the first two knees. But that last one, 
both knees, both arms on the ground, just a brutal, obvious illegal knee to the head that, that ended that fight. Uh, if the Chris Weidman, Gegard Mousasi fight can end that the way it did, I, I just don't understand it. But at the same time, who ca- I don't care whether they, I know Poirier is appealing it, it, whether he gets it overturned or not, I'd like to see this fight again because it was just that good. Overall, I don't think the result matters that much because who knows how that fight was going to end. I don't think you could say Poirier was going to win. I don't think you could say Alvarez was going to win. So I think they need to run it back as soon as possible. Brooks, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I think it would be definitely fair um, to run it back. I think a lot of the talk about the DQ and the new contest has been about intention. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think that's a matter. Like you said, the last knee was super obvious um, and it's brutal. I mean, when you're on the ground like that. So I don't think intention should really matter. I mean, there are illegal strikes, period. Right. There's of a course, few of them. So no one, be no one's tra- like, I think I, they said this on the co-main event podcast. Uh, no one's trying to get disqualified or trying to get caught with an illegal thing. So, of course, it's not intentional like that, but... Right. Yeah. It's it. It happens as a foul, whether it's intentional or not. Right. It does seem like you know, even like if you're just going by the letter of the law, it probably should have been a DQ. And if we're not going by just the letter of the law, like you know, what the hell are we doing here? So I, I totally get that element of it. Yeah. I think um, it's just yeah. I think you know that's that's one of the weird things about these sport the sport right is it like. You know, even if like the rule book says one thing, it's like, well, Herb Dean knows more than the rule book. You know, it's like what a weird sport in so many ways. Yeah. Well, was, so was Poirier like declared unable to fight by the doctors? Is that why it was stopped right away and not just like a point taken? Or yeah, I think um, I think from if I'm remembering correctly, Herb Dean had him sitting down and said, "No matter what, the fight is over." You know, uh, yeah, something like that. I think. They weren't going to let him because he said he couldn't see. He said he was blurry. His vision was blurry. Uh, okay. He had taken serious damage from those yeah, knees that man. really changed the outcome of everything for sure, if nothing else. Like. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Poirier. I like his spirit. He's always gets in uh, entertaining fights, even if he says yeah. he's not going to turn it into a brawl. He always does. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully they run it back. If not, still interested to see what both guys are doing. Yeah, Poirier is one of those, like, he's more of a, uh, a, a two-sword as opposed to a sword and shield kind of guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> a pretty good uh, analogy there, for sure. Um, if you don't count disqualifications, I think Jason Knight versus Chaz Kelly was probably fight of the night. Um, just a really, really fun fight. Uh, yeah. Jason Knight finishes it in the third with a TKO. Basically, I think, just because he has a better gas tank, because this was a pretty fun, close compelling fight a lot of uh ground scrambles and submission attempts and pretty even on the feet the first round or two but jason knight again 24 years old and super super impressive at featherweight uh what did you think brooks did you see this one yeah yeah yeah. i mean i thought it was pretty impressive um like you said he's super young i didn't know much about him but definitely uh he impressed me i mean that jiu-jitsu was, I think that's very exciting. I love seeing scrambles like that and uh, seeing good defense. I, um, I did get fight of the night, didn't it? Yes, I believe yeah. it did. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Oh, yeah, actually, I mean, no, no, definitely no, no. super impressive. Uh, it did not, actually. He got the performance of the night, but Chase uh, Sherman and Rashad Coulter got fight of the night, which was fun, but I think this got robbed. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, even going coming into this card, you know, because I've watched long enough now where I've seen each of these guys' last two fights. And, you know, I mean, you're talking about – or, uh, you know, last I, – I should say last couple of fights because, you know, I, you're, I'm talking about like Chaz Skelly, Maximo Blanco, 19 seconds, knee to the uh, – you know, crazy like – what was it? Like just anaconda choke, whatever he did. He got yeah, him yeah, so yeah. fast. And then, you know, likewise, Jason Knight, um, Alex you know, I saw that Alex Caceres yeah. fight and I really liked watching Alex Caceres. I mean, I, Alex Caceres, the year Rodriguez was one of the first Fox cards I ever watched. And I remember thinking like, wow, these are two really dynamic, like high octane individuals. They're both fun to watch. Um, so I've kind of been a fan of Alex Caceres, even though he's not like one of the top echelon fighters. He's definitely one of my favorite guys. So I, I you know, I pay attention to everyone who beats him and Jason Knight. I mean, you know, in that fight, I'm like, wow, this is a scary kid. I mean, he's uh, he's very intense when he gets in there. I mean, he's he just takes no prisoners. And, you know, it's interesting. He seems like he has a really quirky personality, too. Like, I'm looking at his nicknames on Wikipedia, and he goes by, like, like the kid is the main one, but he also goes by Mississippi Mean and Hick Diaz, which yeah. is hysterical. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the fact that he's come up with Hick Diaz, and he's, like, marketing himself, and he's, like, on the mic telling Joe Rogan to put him on his podcast and stuff. Like, I love that stuff. Like, we need more personalities like Jason Knight in the UFC. For sure. And, I mean, if he keeps putting up you know the wins that he's doing like i mean and, and then making the call outs that he's doing like they're gonna keep giving him what he wants i mean i guess i guess technically he wanted duo Choi and they didn't give him that but i mean they, he's about to get a top 15 guy there's no denying him now yeah uh, i love that he talks shit during the fight it's uh a lot of fun and god just imagine yeah. like it, nick diaz i mean i get the comparison. yeah yeah <laughs> Just imagine him versus Yair Rodriguez, both 24-year-old featherweights. Uh, that would be a ton of fun. Yeah. The, that's a really good up-and-coming division as for, for as uh, young prospects, exciting fighters. Brian Ortega, plenty of guys in there. So definitely interested in see what is next for him. And I'm sure Joe Rogan can get him on his podcast. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't uh, want to piss that guy off. Like he seems like he's a fun loving dude and stuff, but like he's he flips a switch, man. He's really scary when he wants to be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, um I guess we can go faster through the next couple of events here, but Demetrius Johnson defended his belt against Wilson Hayes and the Fox 24 card which actually was uh, farther back, but we'll skip over UFC Fight Night 108 for now. Because this was actually a really, really fun night of fights. At least that four-fight main card. Demetrius Johnson making a case yet again that he could be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. Uh, Maybe the best performance of his career, arguably. I mean, the guy just dominated this fight anywhere it was. And Wilson Hayes, who had never been submitted, was a jiu-jitsu guy himself. Um, He tapped. He tapped a mighty mouse. What, What did you think of this fight, Alex? Yeah, I mean, Money Mouse, I mean, watching him, and I feel like the only other fighter I've watched where it seems like this is John Jones, where it's almost like what like LeBron does in a basketball game sometimes, where it's like he decides, like, oh, okay, I'm not going to score tonight, but I'm going to get, like, you know, 20 rebounds and 15 assists. Or, like, tomorrow I'm going to put up 60 points. And it's just like he decides what kind of dominant player he's going to be in a given night because he's so good that he can, like – I mean, it's like playing a video game on easy to a degree, you know? And I feel like you see that with Demetrius Johnson, too, where he's just like, how am I going to beat this guy? Like, you know, he's he's like – he can sit there and he has, like, his choice 
of ways he can go about defeating his opponent because he just seems to be on such a different level. And I mean, yeah, the fact that he's like, yeah, let me go ahead and submit the, um, you know, the double, you know, jiu-jitsu black belt or whatever. And let me go ahead and just, uh, you know, outbox the, you know, Olympic boxer. And just like, I mean, he just literally does whatever he wants in there. And it really is incredible. I mean, it's, you know, we've, we see it over and over again. So I think you do get desensitized to it at a point, but you really have to stop and appreciate just how ridiculous it is what he's able to do. I mean, ever since they opened up 125, like that guy is just like, it's like if you built the perfect 125 fighter, I guess we already have yes. a knowledge of what that looks like. I don't know how you get any better. Yep. And another guy that keeps improving and improving. And the only guy he's really competing against, as you said, is himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like he's playing a video game on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, how about, how, I know you're impressed. Oh, yeah. I mean, that fight was very impressive. I didn't, going in, I didn't really see a way Wilson Heath was going to beat him. I didn't see him getting him to the ground enough to submit him. I mean, best chance I think he had was like a miracle submission off his back or something. But DJ just so dominant. He's so good. I mean, it's crazy. It really is. And to go in there, like you said, and submit a double, like a triple world champion, whatever, how many titles Wilson has in jiu-jitsu, it's just crazy. I mean, of course, he beat him up on the feet quite a bit, and then just wore him out and submitted him. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I have no idea what's next for Demetrius Johnson because Benavidez, Joseph Benavidez, just blew out his knee. He's out for a while. He's pretty much cleaned out the entire division. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's about to be like Brandon Moreno. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. how far, that's how far it is. They have is. to rush these people just to give yeah. someone a fight. It's crazy. It According to uh, Dana White... Um, Cody Garbrandt has some back problems going on, and if he can't fight TJ Dillashaw, apparently TJ Dillashaw wants to drop down and fight DJ to try to stop him from breaking the record. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I don't know if TJ can even make 125 pounds. I feel like there's no way he could, but if he says that, maybe he can. That'd mm. definitely be a compelling fight, but I'd still yeah. rather see Cody versus TJ. But TJ yeah. looked so good in his last fight. Yeah, yeah. God. That's the, that's the only way it's going to happen, I feel like. There's no way anyone at 125, well, I say that now, but I don't see anyone ever beating him at that way. I think he's going to have to go up to give himself a competitive uh, juice. Yeah. But uh, the co-main event was Rose Namajunas, most likely Ioanni and Jacek's next title challenger. She, Ugh. De- <laughs> she defeated Michelle Watterson by second-round submission, head kick followed up by getting her on the ground and choking her out. Super impressive. Rose is uh, always exciting to watch. Definitely probably the biggest star out of that season of Ultimate Fighter, which we included her in on our special episode last month, if you haven't checked that out. But um, what, what do you think, Brooks? Does she give Joanna any fight at all? Or, and what, yeah, did you, what did you think of this? I think so. I don't think you. I mean, Yuan is great, but I don't think she's just going to wipe right through her. I mean, I don't know if Rose is going to beat her, but man, that was impressive what she did to Watterson. I mean, that yeah. head kick was brutal. Yeah, she rocked her with that, and then she did her had her way with her on the ground. But yeah, I mean, I think Rose is a pretty solid matchup for Yolanda. Yeah, I just feel like Rose already lost to Carolina Kovalkovic, who's a lesser version of Yuana in my opinion, or slightly lesser. 
So I think it's going to be tough, but she can always keep improving, and who knows, she could have a puncher or a submitter's chance, if that's even a phrase. How about you, Alex? <laughs> do you do you give her any shot at all? Um, not to win, I don't think. I mean, I think she's just too young, and Ioana's just too polished at this point, at this stage of the game. I mean, to me, it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, asking Yair to be Frankie Edgar, I, yep, I, I yep. guess, where it's, it's, it just feels like maybe a little too soon. Like maybe we're a few years away from Ioana maybe losing a step and Rose gaining a few steps to the point where that's as compelling as we might want it to be. Uh, but that doesn't mean they have a better option waiting, you know? Like that's that's the difference between this and like Yair and Edgar. Like you can make the argument that there was other opponents for those guys. There's really no one else. I mean, you look around and – there's not a lot of options. And I think, you know, once Watterson beat, you know, I mean, obviously someone they've really pushed as a rising star, almost regardless, and, and not that she's been bad. I mean, she's certainly been good, but almost regardless of talent is Paige Van Zandt. And with yeah. Watterson coming in and just crushing Van Zandt the way she did, and then Namahunas, uh, you know, just beating Watterson like this, I mean, it pretty much creates the need now to make that matchup. I mean, you've pretty much established it now because you built Van Zant up in a um, kind of in in a disproportionate way, I should say. And then as a result, like that momentum that you created goes somewhere when she loses. It like transferred to Watterson, as far as I'm concerned. And then now it's kind of transferred <laughs> to Namahunas. And I think like that now needs to be the fight that's made, given that she's already ranked fourth and given that the three people above her have already lost to Ioana. Yeah, it's the only option at this point. I, I do think it will be entertaining, even if it's one-sided. And I do think it's a sellable fight. I think Rose has had some decent uh, pop in her short UFC career. And obviously, Ioana's Ioana. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be good. I'd watch it. But I'd watch anything. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Star-making performance and upset of the year, potentially, when Robert Whitaker knocked out Jacare Souza. In the in the second round, go ahead, uh, Brooks. What did you think? Yeah, I mean that was who saw that coming. That was pretty. Um, I sure shit didn't. I mean, I like Robert Whitaker and he's got great boxing, but I definitely thought Sousa was just it was just like a road uh, roadblock on the way to the title for him. But uh, he, I mean, Whitaker looked great. His boxing looked on point, and. Uh, what fight was it that Suzo got rock, kind of got rocked in? Uh, um, was it Tim Boach and then he was able to get to the ground? Or yeah, it might have been that. But anyway, I mean, we've seen him get rocked in the past, so but he usually uh, recovers. Yeah, 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 definitely. But uh, it was I was really impressed by the way uh, Whitaker went right through him. I think he hit him with a head kick and some punches and TKO'd him and. Yeah, that's like a huge statement in the middleweight division. I mean, there's kind of a roadblock there, but I mean, like a, a, a log jam at the top, kind yeah. of the middleweight. But it's definitely, I mean, it ups his stakes so much, it's crazy. I mean, Souza was right there, title shot, and to get stopped like that, it's crazy. And more than that, like it wasn't just a, oh my gosh, he kicked him and knocked him out out of nowhere, like. In the first yeah, round, the fact that he was he got taken down and he got right back up and never got taken down again, like from that point on, his confidence was peaked and he just was picking him apart at will. It was only a matter of time, and uh, that's why it's even more impressive because it wasn't just a fluke Matt Sarah type knockout on GSP. It was just a domination against Jacare, who 
was a guy that arguably could have waited maybe for a title shot or yeah. was at least a win away if he would have got this win. But then again, who knows if anyone's going to get a title shot anytime soon in middleweight. Alex, I'm sure you were impressed. Yeah, no, I really like Jacare. I'm a big Jacare fan. And, uh, God, yeah, Robert Whitaker is just a man on fire right now. It's crazy. He's just ripped through this division so quickly. Uh, it just, you know, keeps just marching his way up the ladder. Um, and, yeah, now, I mean, he's at a point where it's like, you know, what do you have for him except a title, a title shot or, like, Luke Rockhold if he's able to fight? You know what I mean? There's really not much else there for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess Musasi, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're pretty much at a point where he's, um, almost, you know, just going to have to join the queue of people that are sitting around just not wanting to take a fight unless it's a title fight because <laughs> yeah. And it's almost more so now because we see what happens with Jacare when he's willing to be a team player and take a title fight or take a non-title fight while he waits for what's probably a deserving rightful title shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets uh, beat by this upstart, and now he goes, like, down to the bottom of the line. And he's 37, and it's a shame, you know? It's like, he may not get another shot. And, you know, with the career he's had, it's like, man, he, he probably should have gotten a, a UFC title shot. He's never had one, right? Yeah, I don't think so, no. He, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he's been in the UFC... Since 2013, his only losses are split decision to Yoel and this loss to Robert Whitaker, and he's never had a title shot. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and I thought... He, he beat Gegard Masasi in 2014. <laughs> like, yeah, that, it, a title shot should have come somewhere in there. And it wasn't even close against Musasi. He dominated that. And I thought he beat Romero. I thought he it was close, but I gave it to Jacare. So, yeah, that makes it all the more surprising. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a couple other interesting fights on this card was... Jeremy Stevens losing a split decision decision to Renato Moicano, Alexander Volkov defeating Roy Nelson by decision, and newcomer Tom Dukenois defeating Patrick Williams by second round TKO. He's the guy that uh, a lot of people are excited about. Uh, any thoughts on any of these fights, or should we move on? Uh, I think, you know, one that really surprised me, and I don't know if maybe it should have, but maybe just based on... Uh, what I've seen in the UFC, and then, you know, the first season I watched of The Ultimate Fighter was uh, the Flyweight Champions one, just, like, very recently. So, uh, Tim Elliott uh, beating Lewis Smolka, I thought, was kind of impressive. I mean, Smolka, here's a guy I liked a lot, because I, I really like his, you know, Last Samurai persona, the fact that he's, like, uh, you know, like, he, he really tries to, like, incorporate and embrace that, like, um, you know, like Japanese, like culture element to like his style and his fighting, which I think is cool. Like when you have certain fighters that like embrace that element of character to him. But you know, Smolka, like he's he's now lost what three straight, yeah. uh, like Ray basically Borg, yeah. kids. Yeah, Moreno off of the you know off of that same uh, Ultimate Fighter season, and then yeah, Tim Elliott now I think like went from. Someone who was like looking for a second shot in the UFC to, I mean, he's like a legitimate contender now, even though he's already fought Johnson. Like, he's right there in the mix in terms of there's not a whole lot of guys above him now that he's beaten Smolka. And it's like, it was remarkable that he was able to win the, or even maybe win the first round against Demetrius Johnson, and that's like the best anyone's done in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And since then, he's been on a tear. And, like, yeah, and he's willing to take, like, fights on short notice. And, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. Like, so this guy's incredible. And Johnson <laughs> yeah. just crushed him, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've learned. Yep. He said he wasn't staying at 125 for very long, too, but I guess he is. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. You, you'll say that after a tough weight cut, I'm guessing, and then you get some fluids in you and you say, yeah, I could do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's filling in for Benavides in that fight in uh, in June yeah. against Ben Wynn. Ben Wynn, He's yeah. stepping in there. Yeah. So he's uh, he's looking for, he's looking to get paid and he's looking to take on fights. I mean, he's definitely hungry. Yeah, you got to appreciate that. He's definitely a fun fighter to watch, that's for sure. Yeah. Relentless, yeah. and that's why I like. Uh, I'm, I'm a big like Sam Alvey fan, and I feel like that's a big reason why he's always like. I feel like he's always stepping in on short notice. Like those guys are always uh, gotta give it up to those guys. Yeah, a guy who will be in the middle of a card probably his whole career, but he's gonna you're gonna see him pop up for a long time. I don't think they're they're gonna blah, blah, blah. they're the kind of guys that are gonna get cut anytime soon. Yeah, say. and they're the kind of guys that like you know you'll look and be like, wow, he had five or like six fights in a year. That's insane, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean if you get a knockout, you're like, yeah, I'll take a fight in like two weeks. You're like, oh, okay, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of great fights on UFC Fight Night 108 in Nashville, but still some entertaining scraps nonetheless. The main event, which was absurd from the moment it was announced all the way through was Cub Swanson against Artem Lobov, where Swanson took care of business and won a clear unanimous decision over five rounds. And people are giving Lobov props because I guess he didn't get knocked out in the first minute. I don't know. It still was pretty uh, overwhelming for Swanson. He gets punched by Connor all day. I mean, we like, just because he doesn't go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. He's got, like, barely a 500 record. Um, he's in the UFC because he's Connor's buddy. Uh, I guess he is improving, but this was such a huge step up. I don't, I don't really understand where this fight was coming from, but at least Cub Swanson got a win under his belt. And either way, if Holloway or Aldo wins, he has an argument to be one of the next people to contend. But, but yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like kind of a mismade match. I think like that matchup actually probably makes a lot more sense for Yair, Yair Rodriguez. I mean, Cub Swanson is not quite Frankie Edgar, yeah. So Especially like, I think that would have been a lot more compelling. Agreed. Brooks? What do I know, right? I'm new to this. Yeah, well, and I think it's a shame. You know, it's not, and it's nothing against Artem Lobov. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's like the kind of fighter that I might enjoy in an organic fashion. But when you force him onto the main, you know, main event of a Fox card, it's like, well, now you're like encouraging me to not like this guy because I, you're like making it just glaringly obvious that he's getting opportunities he doesn't deserve. And then when you contrast that with like the co-main and, and you know, he's Connor's buddy. And then you contrast that with the co-main of this same card where Ally Quintus talking about selling houses <laughs> yeah. to make ends meet between fights. And it's like, oh, man, like this is really uh, a... <laughs> There's a discrepancy here somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's get to that. Uh, Ally Quinta defeating Diego Sanchez by first-round knockout. His first fight in like two or three years. Yeah. Uh, he's been – a lot of drama going on between him and the UFC. He, he, he wants more money. And, I mean, he's not wrong. These fighters all deserve more money. I think they're only taking in like 20% of the revenue or something like that. It's projected. and uh, But at the same time – it's arguable whether he's going about it the right way. I don't know how I feel about all that, but it was nonetheless an impressive performance here. As washed up as Diego Sanchez might be, he's always had a good chin. He's always been tough as nails, and Iaquinta just made him look like a paper tiger, I guess you would call it. 
walked yeah. right through him. But what are your thoughts on the whole drama with him? Are you on his side? I know it's kind of split, it seems like, between the, uh, him being like a baby and him being right on as far as the, the fan base goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, you kind of nailed it, which is that, you know, like most things, it's probably not all one way or the other. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, he has absolutely valid points, but like you said, he's probably not approaching it the right way. But it's unfortunate. It's like, you know, what is the right way? I mean, we don't, you know, other than, you know, like it's it's very hard to really know what people are supposed to do. I mean, it's it would be great if they were able to form some kind of a union, but it seems like UFC is actively deterring that at all costs. So, you know, short of that, you really yeah. just have to, like, I guess, like, hire people that are going to promote you and market you and help you, like, follow the path that Connor has laid out there because that seems to be the only way that the UFC responds to demands is if you go out there and win your fights and, like, talk trash on a level that gets you noticed um, by kind of mainstream media, then maybe they'll listen. So it's, like, it's not a very easy road to getting their attention so i can totally understand the frustration yeah for sure but uh at the same time unfortunately i think you got to just finish up your contract and then yeah look at, look at your options at that point see if uh, bellator wants to give you a call maybe give you what you think is your fair shake and that's the thing it's like you know you actually have like i mean bellator quietly is just picking up a lot of really solid pieces i mean like i've been actually kind of stunned like just you know, as long as I've been around, I've I've gotten to know a few fighters where I just was like, oh, okay, that guy, like he's not a uh, you know contending for a title yet, but I imagine he in a fight or two, like the uh, the Ryan Bader's, the Lorenz Larkins, like these guys just kind of going over to Bellator quietly in the middle of the night. It's like, you know, don't look now, but that's not just uh, you know Tito Ortiz versus uh, <laughs> yeah. Ken Shamrock over there anymore. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. Not, it's not. Yeah. So like, I mean, if they're if the UFC isn't careful. I mean, that's going to be a real viable alternative for guys like Ally Quinta here pretty soon. And if guys like Lorenz Larkin and Ally Quinta start drifting over there, like, I'm going to increasingly be watching Bellator on a level that I wasn't before. And, you know, guys like me watching Bellator, I don't think that's what the EOC wants. No, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Bellator slowly improving their product because the, the UFC's cutting i guess what they consider dead weight but it's still these fighters that are relatively young and have upside yeah lorenz larkin's the one that bothered me the most i mean that guy like dismantled neil magny who's one of their top like contenders they seem to like neil magny and it's like you know what i i don't know what they didn't see in lorenz larkin that made them yeah. i don't know that one bugged me that one puzzled me the most that one and also uh Horiguchi. That one was very surprising. Yeah, that especially one... in a division where you really need people <laughs> in a sport where you're really like you know struggling for um, you know like uh, Asian talent that you can promote. Like he seemed like a very you know I don't know I don't get it. Yeah, it seems like at least once every week or so I'm scratching my head like they really let that guy go. <laughs> Nikita Krylov. I know he's yeah, not right. like a big star or anything, but he's a young kid with potential uh, in a division that has nobody. So. And he went like, yeah, he went back to fight in Russia. Like, you couldn't beat that offer, really? <laughs> I'm sure you could. Like, you probably didn't even have to match the money just to, you know, you're offering a higher level of competition and a higher level of recognition. I mean, just, you know, don't let it make don't make him feel insulted with the offer. I bet that's a factor here, you know? Like, yeah. Don't lowball all these guys. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. As far as other fights on this card, we had OSP, Ovin St. Peru defeating Marcos, Rogerio de Lima by second round. It submission. wouldn't be a national card without OSP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they love to do that. Seriously. 
maybe one I of the remember most... when he played at Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, freak athlete. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not much to say there. I mean, he's for all the natural explosive athlete that that he is, uh, tends to be a pretty boring fighter. Yeah, I mean, it still it still seems like he's like pretty raw in there. Like it reminds me of like um, you know, when like uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, oh, Anthony Johnson. No, Stoudemire, who played for oh, like the Phoenix Suns yeah, and yeah, Amari, Stoudemire. Uh, Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, thank you. Like Amari Stoudemire was like this guy who like came into the NBA and he had like he hadn't like picked up a basketball until like junior year of high school or something. Like he just was such a freak, but he was so raw. Yeah, and you remember thinking like, God, he's just so gifted. But he, he also, like, at no point did he really, like, accentuate. Like, he was really good, and then he stayed really good. And you kept thinking he was going to, like, oh, the more time he spends around basketball, at some point he should be super elite. <laughs> but it, it didn't really ever truly happen, I don't think. Like, he was just always really, really good. Yeah. And, like, that's, that might be what we're seeing here. You still got to refine those skills, no matter how good yeah. of an athlete you are. Yeah. Um, John Dodson defeated Eddie Wineland by decision. A nice bounce back from his loss to John Lineker. Um, Stevie Ray defeated Joe Lozon by decision. Don't really have much to say there. But yeah. I do have to say that Mike Perry's knockout of Jake Ellenberger in the first round was pretty nasty. Yep. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, from everything I understand about the individual, I don't think he's someone I would enjoy spending time with, Mike Perry, but. Man, really compelling. Anytime he's in the ring, I mean, he has some serious knockout power. Yeah, one of the best villains they got right now. Scary, as... scary guy. <laughs> yeah, that elbow might be knockout of the year. Um, but yeah, terrible. Seems like a not a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's uh, you know, we don't have, we don't know for sure. We can only go on what we have, you know, at our disposal. But it's just, he's certainly got some hot takes that Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Tally Slates. Uh, we just talked about him getting beat by somebody, Christoph Jocko earlier, and he came back to defeat Sam Alvey, your boy. Yeah, by, my boy uh, Sam Alvey. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, I, they're pretty evenly matched. I feel like if they fought ten times, they might go five and five. Not yeah. really a whole lot you could say there, but Brandon Moreno, he we mentioned him earlier. He could be a guy that gets title shot soon in the decimated flyweight division. He Took care of Dustin Ortiz, a tough fighter who's been around a while by a second-round submission. was pretty impressive. Seems like yeah. he's got some potential. I don't think he's ready to fight Demetrius anytime soon, but he might have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kid's still only 23, but, I mean, yeah, he's he's looking really good. He's taking a lot of fights. Um, it seems clear he wants to, yeah, I mean, he wants to keep taking fights. And, yeah, I mean, making his debut against Smoke on short notice and winning that fight, I mean, that was huge. And it really, I think, like, just kind of, put him on the map and it was crazy because yeah i mean i had been watching that ultimate fighter tournament champions and he loses in the first round but you know now in hindsight i mean yeah he loses to a guy in alejandro pantoya who is probably going to be a mainstay in this division as well so it's interesting i mean a lot of those guys from that season uh are gonna just invade this division and really i think be mainstays uh they really found a good crop of like incoming flyweights and i think they needed to because they recognize that this division is shallow absolutely that was uh a pretty good season. I always like the seasons of tough where it's a thin division or even a non-existent, like the new one coming up uh, in the yeah. fall, and really just injecting a lot of life. When it's lightweight, welterweight, there's already so many good fighters at those weight classes that it's tends to be yeah. pretty boring. But 
Yeah, that and you know, like even good. if the fights on the Ultimate Fighter of the season itself aren't that good, you're like, well, at least we're getting a lot of like good new fighters into this division. Like at least there's a silver lining to everything here. Like, yeah, completely agreed. Uh, Brooks will be back very soon, but let's get to a little bit of news before we get into our MMA Frankenstein creations. Um, are you watching the season of Ultimate Fighter? I am. Yeah. What do you think? Although I think I'm, yeah, I'm a little behind, but I'm I'm watching. Yeah, obviously we are reality TV fans. I can't remember if we talked about this on the last time you were on or not, but what are your thoughts on The Ultimate Fighter as a reality show and this season in specific? I like it. I mean, I don't know if I was watching it the last time I was uh, I did the okay. show with you because um, it's definitely something that I've like picked up. Like, I think maybe, you know, uh, well, certainly, you know, all, uh, Tournament of Champions, that last one was the first season I watched, okay. so I guess I was okay. watching it in the fall. But I really hadn't, you know, watched it ever before then, and um, I find it compelling. I just, I think there's, you know, they could certainly tweak it. I like my understanding is it doesn't get like great numbers. I'm sure being on like FS1 doesn't do it, you know, a huge service in that respect. But I mean, there's there's certainly long stretches of it that I feel like are very uh, slow and very like methodical and and pretty unnecessary. I, like I wonder if there's a way we could like streamline the like. I'm doing this for my family segments <laughs> yeah. that happen every single time, you know, like I get it. Like I, I there, you, you know, you need to humanize these guys. It, it feels very horribly insensitive of me to say, I don't care about your family, but like, that's really not the focal point of the show. And really everyone's story is kind of the same. At its, it really at its root. Like yeah. we, we kind of know why you're fighting. You know what I mean? We, why else would anyone take punches to the face for a living? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is something you realize you're good at and you can do, and it's putting bread on your table. You know, I get it. I, I respect it. But let's also not pretend that your story is unique. I mean, it's pretty much the same as everyone else's. So it's it's a mixed bag. I think there's a way they could do it and, you know, kind of give that – devote less time to that and maybe do more stuff in the house, show more, like, kind of dynamics, do more, like, I don't, I don't know what it would be necessarily, but, like, even if it's, like, just random ice-breaking activities or, like, just, to, I, I would like to see, like, like, put all these, like, guys in, like, a spelling bee or something. Like, I just think there's <laughs> opportunity for television moments here that aren't being taken advantage of, and we're kind of just, like, falling into a bit of a tired plot formula with, um you know, the nature of reality television, just thinking, like, okay, let's show the reality of what's happening, rather than thinking about, like, okay, well, what could we do with you know 16 meathead you know just muscle bound just murderers in a house trapped together and i think when you really start to think about it that way you're like oh we could do some stuff here there's there's some there's some uh some room to work with this yeah they <laughs> you're tired of it after like one and a half seasons <laughs> yeah imagine like 29 25th yeah, season so yeah i don't know what the answer is i think we, me and Brooks have talked about it before, but there's got to be something different. At least try it. Uh, but surprisingly, I've been as I was skeptical coming into the season, but I guess I'm just a sucker for any All Star reality season. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is because I'm actually kind of enjoying it to an extent. These are some guys that I saw the first time of their own, and it's kind of cool to follow their journey uh, as far as where they've come since then and trying to get back into it. Even though I know. At the end of the day, maybe this isn't like a crop where they're all going to end up in the UFC and you're going to see them for the next few years. I feel like maybe three or four of these guys will stick. So Yeah, 
And and I have to say, yeah, like the Jesse Taylor, like Jay Money story, that's like super compelling. Yeah, like, you know, from a redemption standpoint, like you can't get any better than that. Like that totally um, that does make it more compelling. The fact that these guys have had a shot and feel like, you know, oh, wow, I really have to succeed now. You know, I mean, that's in a way it's like a little, um, you know, worrisome. It's like, oh, man, I, 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 I. I'm a little scared to think about what happens to some of these guys if they lose after, you know, this like having their second shot in the Ultimate Fighter. Like, I'm sure some guys are going home and hitting the bottle pretty hard, and that's a little <laughs> concerning to think about. But, yeah. like, it also makes it very compelling. I mean, the drive and the need to win is so high on this particular season that, you know, it, it does kind of, like, you know, raise the stakes a bit for sure. Yeah. the <laughs> Jesse Taylor is definitely the most interesting person <laughs> in that house. And... Then there was also that weight cutting issue in the first episode. I thought that was kind of oh, yeah. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> Why even accept a position on the on the show if you know you're that overweight? But I guess he wanted to give it a shot. Um, yeah, yeah. TJ really gamed the hell out of that. But, oh, yeah. You know, recognizing how heavy that dude was and making him the first fight that was uh, that's rough. Yeah, and speaking of TJ, what do you think of the whole TJ Team Alpha Male Cody Garbrandt Uriah Favor even getting involved feud? It's interesting. I feel like I'm a little bit like Team TJ Dillashaw in this one. I don't know if that's like that's probably like uh, not the most common take on this thing, but I feel like you know certainly from like you know I, I have a limited perspective on everything, and I'm seeing just the dynamic play out on the show. And you know, Cody obviously seems like he's kind of like you know like why are you even getting involved in this? It really seems like it's something between TJ and Uriah more than anything, and Cody's just kind of like you know find an opportunity to jaw. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, this is my moment to kind of like be the big dog. Yeah. Uh, I think he's really excited to have the belt. You know, I think he's been in the, in the shadow of all these guys, the Uriahs and the TJs and all these guys for so long. And now he's the, he's the man with the title. He's the undefeated King. And, uh, he's really happy to get some airtime. I think on this season in particular, uh, I definitely think TJ is right about that, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, I, TJ seems humble and he seems like a, you know, a good natured guy. And so I think I'm inclined to gravitate towards him. Uh, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that his version of events is true. I just think like, ultimately they're basically saying the same thing and they're kind of arguing about nothing, which is kind of funny. Like, I think what TJ saying is ultimately kind of accurate, which is that like, I wanted to be able to train at both and Uriah wouldn't let me. And Uriah's like, I didn't kick you off the team. I just said you like couldn't come into the gym. It's like, oh well, that kind of <laughs> is the same thing a little bit. Like, so I, I guess I'm Team TJ on that. Um, oh, and the other thing I was gonna say earlier, like, here's here's a format change idea. Like, why don't they just all play Big Brother? Except like the two people who are on the block instead of a vote. Those are the two people who fight. Like at the end of the week. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Absolutely, that would be incredible. We need to get this done. But yeah, I completely agree with you as far as. The whole drama. It's almost like you're fired. No, I quit. You know, it's. Yeah, it's, right. uh, <laughs> what are you even arguing about at that point? I think, I'm, as far as the TV show, I'm definitely on Team TJ Dillashaw, but when it comes to inside the cage as fighters, I just think he's a little more vanilla. So I tend to root for the guy with a little more pizzazz, which is Cody. Who I, I think. That. And I think I was like that until I started watching this season, and then I started feeling like. You know, I, I feel like everyone loves Cody because TJ's too vanilla, and I I, I sympathize with that. And I'm gonna yeah. maybe like TJ more in a weird way. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but I I think Cody probably gets overshadowed by these flashy guys with their diamonds on their necks. You know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cody, I think is just trying to sell the fight, and 
himself as a new star champion at the same time, which I guess grabbing someone by the throat is a way to do that. I don't know. <laughs> but as fun as this season has been, I think I'm really looking forward to the next season, which they finally announced the women's flyweight division is going to be introduced in the fall. Oh, I didn't see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Much like they did with the women's strawweight division, it will premiere on the show and the winner of the season will be the first ever champion. And, uh, yeah, it it worked really well with the strawweight division and, and with the, uh, the flyweight division, it wasn't a champion crown at the end, but it was like pretty much introducing that weight class as well. So I always like those kinds of seasons. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that format's really good because I mean it's it just every, it gives it automatic stakes. Yes. Like, I mean the this season has that to a degree too because of the redemption arc. You know, I think you know going in, you know that like you know it's it's one thing. You know, I liked the last season though, like you know uh, the tournament of champions. But in hindsight, not a lot of stakes. You know what I mean? Like Brandon Moreno loses the very first fight, and he's the first guy to get a UFC debut. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute, like. Did this even matter? You know, if you could lose the first fight and then get a debut, it kind of seems like this thing didn't have a lot of stakes. So with the redemption angle where it seems like, you know, guys who are going to lose early really might not ever get a shot in the UFC again with something where they're founding a new division. And it seems like, okay, if you have a great run in this tournament, you get to be the inaugural champion. It's like that's just built in stakes on a level that just it's automatically compelling. Yeah, that's the one actually. A lot of people, when they watch Ultimate Fighter, they tend to fast forward to the fights and just yeah. see the results. I'm almost the opposite because <laughs> the fights are in an empty gym and they really have no stakes whatsoever. So I kind of like, I'll kind of just half pay attention to the drama and then fast forward to the end of the fight sometimes on these seasons. But when the, it's a brand new division and the, there's actual stakes, like you said, at the end, it's almost like these are real fights that uh, yeah. are worth paying attention to because you know. I'm sure all these fighters are going to be mainstays, at least in the early goings of this division. Like, I'm really interested to see who they sign or who from the other divisions decide to make a crack at it. I mean, this is a chance to be a champion, even if you're just like a middling 135 or 115, or you can put your name in a hat and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, if you're someone like a, right, like a Kat Zingano or like Liz Carmouche, like, why not? Yeah. yeah. Why not see if you can cut 10 pounds and just be a, a force in a division where, you know, you, you feel like you're stagnant 10 pounds up? Yeah, and much like the strawweight uh, season, which Carlos Sparza won and then promptly lost to Ioana and Jacek, whoever wins this will probably promptly lose to Ioana and Jacek. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's still worth uh, seeing. I know, uh, what is her name? Shevchenko, uh, who's fighting Noons for the anime yeah. title. She... I think is a natural 125 pounder. So just mm. think her versus Ioana. Now that would be something to watch. Yeah, no, that would be really compelling. I mean, cause she's a very, you know, she's also a very well-polished striker. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's one thing we maybe haven't seen is someone that's maybe one thing we haven't seen you handle is someone with, you know, a reach that's equal to hers or almost equal to hers who can, you know, deliver blows on a level that's as crisp I think that's, you know, we haven't really seen her. I think Kovalkiewicz was the closest thing to her fighting, you know, a fighter as polished as she is um, in, in, in the same kind of, you know, styles, in the Muay Thai style and all that. But, uh, yeah, I think Shevchenko would make for a very interesting matchup. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
Brooks, we're just giving our thoughts on this season of The Ultimate Fighter and looking forward to next season. Uh, what weight class is this season? I've just been focused on the coaches. <laughs> this season is the welterweights, I believe. Welter, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, the Redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's past fighters and stuff. Yeah. Isn't there like some UFC signed fighters that are in it too? Well, one, James Krause. And he just won, oh, okay. won the... Uh, no spoilers, never mind. <laughs> but also, <laughs> what do you think of the flyweight division, women's flyweight being introduced? We were saying that it's probably going to make for one of the most compelling seasons they could possibly do. Yeah, I agree. Is uh, is there like a title at the end of that? Or Yep, there is. That's awesome. Yeah, I love when they do stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you were saying earlier, I'm glad they're adding that division because it's such a big jump from 115 to 135. It definitely gives a lot more play in the women's divisions now. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, did they announce a cast or anything yet? No, not yet. Uh, that's what I was okay. saying, too. Like, very curious to see who's going to be involved there. Yeah, me yeah. too, I think. Uh, I can't imagine ever, like, you know, looking ahead and scouting, like, who's going to be the cast on the next season of Ultimate Fighter, but I'm there. I'm yeah. going to do that now. So, yeah, they got me. Yeah, well played. <laughs> Your hardcore credentials are now invoked. But uh, as far as other news, I mean, World Series of Fighting died, but who didn't see that coming? Then they're going to turn yeah. it into a professional fight league in 2018, which is going to have like a uh, a league format with a regular season where each person in the division fights three times and then a playoff. And uh, I don't, I'm not even sure this is ever going to happen at all. Yeah. I don't know. I just know uh, their golden boy is fighting Michael Johnson now, right? <laughs> right, Justin Gaethje. All, all their big, the only people that they had with any name value who are now in the UFC. Uh, yeah, Justin Gaethje's fighting Michael Johnson. David Branch just came in, and uh, Marlon Marais is going to be fighting Rafael Sunsau, which we'll get to a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, I think Gaethje was. I had seen David Branch on some rankings, but uh, Gaethje I actually heard of because I think you know, like he's one of these guys where like he's got some some great like highlight reel stuff that's out there. And I don't know if I'd ever actually seen anything, but I know I'd seen his name come up a few times. So it'll be interesting to see him like just thrown thrown to the wolf right away. Michael Johnson, I mean, that's no joke. He's a real he's a real fighter. He's the real deal. Yeah, definitely a litmus test. I mean, Gaethje. You're going to love him. He's fun as hell to watch. He has no defense. He just <laughs> will take a punch to give a punch. And so far, it's worked out for him. Who knows once he gets to the uh, upper echelon in the UFC. But it'll, yeah. it'll be entertaining the whole way, for sure. 17-0 yeah. um, is pretty impressive you know, as a professional, no matter who you're fighting. Yeah, I believe one of his quotes when he first signed was like, feed me to the wolves. I got to get my first loss eventually. So, I yeah. mean, he's basically just saying, like, let's go. Let's see let's see where I am. Uh, I guess we could talk about the press conference that they just did to preview all the big fights for the summer. There weren't many surprises here. I think the biggest thing was John Jones being announced as he is going to fight Daniel Cormier in his return fight at the UFC 214 in California in the end of July. On my birthday, July 29th. Guess oh. who's definitely going to that? Oh, yeah, and it's in California. Wow. That's... It's in Anaheim. Yeah, I was looking at this last night, and I'm like, oh, John Jones, that, that's going to be on my birthday. 
Yeah. That's going to be on my birthday in Anaheim. I'm going to this. Like yeah. that was the that was the thought process with that. Like there's pretty much no no excuse. I'm yeah. definitely getting tickets to this thing. You have to go. And then I guess yeah. we'll have to get you back on to tell us what it was like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. I oh, Man, already I'm so pumped for that one. I mean, god, it's so compelling. I mean, I know like Cormier has has gotten good, I think on the microphone in a way he didn't used to be. Um like even just, you know, when I started watching, I feel like he was a little like the the first pay per view I watched was two hundred and that you know uncomfortable you know last minute fight that he had against Silva where everyone's booing because of the way he like didn't want to mess with Silva because who would want to mess with Silva so he just wrestles him to the ground and holds him there and you know he's getting a lot of hate and he's kind of like clumsily explaining his way through it on the microphone that seems like a totally different guy to now where he's just like kind of embraced his role and kind of the the way fans are gonna typecast him at this point. And he's okay with it. Like, the people who like him are going to like him. The people who are going to be pro-John Jones aren't going anywhere. And I think he's made his peace with that, where it used to really bother him. And I think that's good. So, like, now, I mean, we get these moments that I just think are so compelling where, I mean, he's probably still, like, he probably still gets hot when, you know, Jones, like, like I guess he's, like, mentioning his kids and stuff like that. Like, that's definitely getting to him. But, I, I mean, already, like, just with just very, very little, like, I mean, just a... A kind of drop a match and this whole thing is just like lit up in an inferno and i'm so excited now <laughs> yeah uh, i mean cormier wanted to be the face of this but now he's embracing the heel and that's that's fun fun to see and yeah. I, I love how john mm-hmm. jones hasn't changed a single bit i mean he's saying no yeah i beat you after a weekend of cocaine last time <laughs> such a great comeback to like let's see if you can stay clean for two months I mean, technically, if they didn't, if they if they didn't require me to stay clean, it wouldn't matter. Like, what a great comeback! Is <laughs> yeah. there a better comeback? Right. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was terrible for him to say that. Though. Like, they're not performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, no, it's not a good look. You're right. <laughs> but, man, it does like it just emphasizes like, right? Yep. Uh, when it, when it comes down to it, if he does end up being clean for this fight, you've got to fight him, and it didn't go so well the last time. Yeah. And uh, Brooks, you've seen John Jones fight in person. What, yeah. What's it like? Are you, what do you think's gonna happen here? Well, here I don't really give DC much of a chance, just because I just don't see it being any different than the last fight. Yeah, I agree. John Jones is capable of fighting anybody's game and beating them at it. Um, I mean, John Jones, of course, in person is very impressive. I saw him fight Glover, and he was up against the fence, dirty boxing. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I just don't see DC. I don't see him having a chance here. Yeah, I tend to agree, but it's going to be much like uh, McGregor Mayweather if that ever happens. It's all about the lead up on this one. Yeah, yeah. and I almost—I mean, I—I I, you know, he's going to be a huge dog, obviously, but I almost hope he does win because I mean, that would just set up such a great trilogy. Yeah, like, I can't even imagine how amazing that would be. Light That's heavyweight true. needs it. Needs it bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, man, yeah, and at that point with yeah, with Jones reeling from a loss to Cormier and Cormier just so high on himself, like that would just be great to see then then clash again. Like, yeah. So I really hope that that comes together. I mean I, I don't have high hopes, but that would be that would just be so great for the UFC and for the fans. Absolutely. Uh, as far as the other, other things in the summer press conference, I guess um, the biggest drama was Kevin Lee and Michael Keith <laughs> ridiculously getting into it. Like I don't even know what to say. Like, that was just uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but I guess I'm definitely more interested in that fight than I was before. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I remember seeing it headlining, and at first I was like, really? And then I thought about it, and like, they're both like, got like, you know, what, like 15 and 2 and 16 and 2. Like, they're, I mean, they're both really, really accomplished guys at this point. So I, it makes sense to see them headline. But I think, um, you know, even if it's like all staged, I like what Kevin Lee's trying to do there. And I think he got a, legit, a legitimate rise out of Kiesa there when he like just mentions his mom. And it wasn't even like in any kind of a context where it was like saying anything. It was just like something about how, you know, I've heard like Michael's mom's already got a ticket to the to the fight or something like that. <laughs> yeah. What did you say about my family? Like he just like lost it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, dude. I guess I know what to say to Kiesa if I ever have to get under his skin. Like way to just give everyone exactly the <laughs> ammo they know. Like you basically just showed everyone what your kryptonite is, dude. Like that was not maybe uh, – the best planning uh, moving forward. But it was funny. Like Lee's making fun of his mullet and he's like, well, there's a champion right there. She's got a mullet. It's like, uh, yeah, but you know, I, I don't know that like, you know, it, it works for Amanda Nunez, dude, but like, you're not Amanda <laughs> Nunez either. So let's, uh, yeah, I, I think the only way to settle their differences is if both of their mom's name is Martha. I think we've learned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't know if it was even that the mom comment bothered him so much. I just think it's kind of funny. You saw like every pair of fighters that are fighting up that, that were fighting each other up there were trying to like do the Conor McGregor esque bickering back and forth, really trying to elevate, trying to almost fight, you know. And you know, DC and John do it. They've always done it, but like the whole Kevin Lee and Kiesa thing. Like I don't even know if it was so much that the comment bothered him because, like you said, there wasn't much context to it. Yeah. I think everybody's really just trying to sell their fights. They see what McGregor does, and they're trying to take that formula and kind of run with it. I mean, everybody was doing it. Like, the whole Amanda Nunes and what's-her-face going back and forth was really just kind of awkward. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to even know, like, how much, especially, like, the Kiss and Lee thing and, and ones like that. It's hard to know, like, how much of this is real. But I think, like... The one, the one thing that I was like, oh, okay, that's definitely real. It's like when Kiesa decided to like, like maybe even the mom thing doesn't bother him so much, but he does like use that as an excuse to like cross over and like give Kevin Lee a shove. And like once he puts his hands on Kevin Lee, like Kevin Lee is ready to punch him right in the face. Like he's yeah, coming he just right as hard as he can for him with his fist to his face. And that was not staged. Like that was legitimate. Like Kevin Lee is going to kill you now because you put your <laughs> hands on him. <laughs> like that. That I knew. I was like, "Oh, okay." There's if if we weren't if we were acting before, we're not anymore. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for the news. Um, um, did you? Uh, I think congrats are in order for Raquel Pennington and Tisa Torres. Oh yeah, another engagement. Engaged the same day as uh, Andrade engaged to oh, wow. her girlfriend. I didn't even know there were a couple. I thought it was awesome when I saw that on. I think it was Ariel's Twitter. Yeah, power Took me by surprise, but I thought that was awesome. Which one? Who's the better fighter? I know I would have said Torres before, but Pennington's on the come up. Yeah, she definitely I mean, is. I think she just had a couple surgeries, which kind of sucks, but she's back to training. So, Who did she beat last? Uh, Misha Tate, I think it was. Yeah, retired her. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited definitely to see her come back. And Torres has always kind of been to the top of that division, and now Pennington's kind of found her way. Yeah. Power couples galore. You got Ronda Rousey, Travis Brown. That's kind of half a power couple. <laughs> very <laughs> in, so very well, incestuous yeah. sport. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to something completely different. Uh, our MMA fighter Frankenstein top five slash draft combination here. Uh, the idea behind this was, I think it was either, was it last 
off season for you guys last year um, on Alex's Big Brother podcast. They did a Frankenstein to figure out the best Big Brother player possible. And uh, stole that idea, since he was coming on here, to put it in an MMA context. And I figured the best way to do it would to have a snake draft and uh, have your... If you're into fantasy sports, you have your categories, your positions. So I figured striking, wrestling, and grappling slash jujitsu would be a good base and then have two miscellaneous qualities as well. So it's a little complicated, but I, th- I think it's it's fairly simple when you think about it. <coughs> Are we ready? I guess we'll go Alex is first since he's the guest. Then I'll let Brooks go. Then it'll be me and back and forth. Sounds good. So, right. with the first pick in the MMA Frankenstein draft, Alex, it's up to you. Okay. Well, based on what I've heard tonight, uh, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take something that I feel like is not gonna be here when I pick again. So I'm gonna go for the striking of Yuana Yedjechek. I think that's a good call. Yeah, it's <laughs> very good. Definitely like improved, a solid, improved solid her choice. stock here with this yeah. last fight. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Conor McGregor striking. All right. Also good. Certainly has the power punch behind it. Um, yep. I guess it's a good thing you're not getting his gas tank along with it because we've seen that could be his one weakness. But, yeah, this is only just the singular, <laughs> singular attribute of each fighter. And, by the way, before we get too far into it, you can pick the same fighter just has to be a different aspect of their game. So you guys are going striking first. I feel like I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go with the grappling of Damian Maya. Yeah. It's just maybe the best in the history of the sport. And even when he doesn't get finishes, he's able to do enough to control the fight where he wants it. And with that base, I think, uh, I'll be a threat to finish any fight at any point. That was literally my next pick. <laughs> but, uh, man, now for my next pick, since I get back-to-back at the turn, um, I'm going to go with Conor McGregor's drawing power. So, <laughs> I might have Damian Maya's grappling, but I'm going to draw more eyeballs than he does in his fights. So, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Brooks, you're up. All right. I will go. Give me a second here. Yeah, I mean, you got... No one's gone wrestling yet. There's a lot of good wrestlers in the sport, so, I mean, that's kind of understandable. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... I guess... I'm going to go with GSP's wrestling. All right. He's, pretty good at that. <laughs> he's pretty good. I hear. I, I don't – I've only uh, – I've seen a couple clips, but I haven't really watched the full GSP fight. I'm sure I'll do that before he comes back. If he ever does. But, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That, that's I've got time. <laughs> yeah. He – there's only so many fights you could watch that aren't 25 minutes because he was in so many title fights and they tended to go to uh, – Decision, yeah. but definitely worth checking out if you can. But you got okay. two picks back to back here. 
Yeah, I think I'll go with um, because wrestling and uh, grappling. You know, once Damian Maya is off the board, like grappling and submissions, I feel like I can wait on that. A lot of people then like a step down, probably on the same level. And wrestling, like you said, I think there's a lot of people uh, who are all very, very you know highly qualified. So I'll probably go with my two miscellaneous slots here. All right, I'll go with I'll go with the power of Francis Ngannou. Oh, okay. Talked about earlier. That's a mean, mean Frenchman with a with a wicked, wicked fist. Uh, and then I will take the athleticism of John Jones. There you go. See, this was the categories I was most interested to see where people went. Uh, yeah, I just think he's just such a raw freak. I, I, I think there, he brings something to the table no one could possibly learn because of just kind of intangibles. I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. stuff that he has that you know you can't learn or be taught. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, an athlete like John Jones that could strike like Yuani and Jacek, but has the power of Francis and Gaia. <laughs> Pretty good start. Pretty good start. Pretty <laughs> um, I'm going to go with one of my miscellaneous here. I'm going to take Jose all those leg kicks. Nice. Yeah, those are pretty devastating. Look what he did to Uriah Faber. Look how he nullifies anybody's, uh, you know, uh, kicking game or even just taking their legs out. In any, yeah. yeah, good choice. And your next... Oh, wait, that's right. It is up to me. I apologize. <laughs> um, should I go with my other miscellaneous? Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go with striking. I'm going to go Stephen Thompson. That's a good one. I think just his creativity, his technical ability to throw a punch or kick from any angle at any time I'm not, I'm not taking his activity rate as based off UFC 209, but just his pure striking, i got to have it. I think that would be good. Um, and I'm going to go with Demetrius Johnson's wrestling. Nice, nice. I think yeah. that's probably his base, like his biggest strength. He's a great striker, obviously great at grappling as well, but without that wrestling base, he's so low to the ground. He's just able to... Get the fight wherever he wants it at any time. So, gotta yeah. have it. Brooks is Me back next. to you. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Dominic Cruz's movement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or or TJ Dillashaw's uh, uh, stealing of Dominic Cruz's movement, whichever way yeah. you want to <laughs> put it. That's not a bad pick, Alex. Your last two picks, finish off your your monster. Okay, so I think uh, I, I like a little internal conflict. So since, uh, since I've already included pieces of John Jones, let's go with Daniel Cormier's wrestling. There you go. <laughs> I was almost what I was going to pick for my wrestling aspect. So Yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, you know, you know that guy. That, we know that's his bread and butter. I'm not really uh, shocking anyone with that. And then, yeah, for grappling and submissions, this is the one that's kind of tough. Uh, it's like, you know, a lot of the guys I would want to go to, it's like, eh, I don't know if I would go there just because, you know, like, you know, the, uh, the Anderson Silva's of the world. I don't know if I would say like that they would get at, you know, it's, it's their ability now, maybe not their ability at their prime. So I, I feel like there's probably better options. Um, hmm, let's see for grappling. Oh, you know, I could have gone Habib for wrestling too. That's out there. Ooh, and that's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a hell of an honorable mention. Um, 
I see mm-hmm. an obvious grappling, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I almost feel like I want to go... It's tough. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of good options. I'm gonna go Jacare. Yeah, that's Ooh. the one. That's the one. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it took me a minute, but I once I saw that, once I got to the alligator, I was like, <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, I knew he was what I was looking for. Yeah, right. I mean, he got <laughs> tooled on by Robert Whitaker, but it's not because looking of his for resilience. I'm like, for Doom is good, but I'm not gonna take a heavyweight for grappling. <laughs> yeah. That makes me seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, it's up to you well, for, that was for grappling. What I was going to take for my grappling, so I'm going to have to go with. Uh, uh, I'm going to. I'm just going to go with Nate Diaz. Grappling. Okay, doesn't show it off very much, but I know it's there. Yeah. Oh, you know, also uh, pretty good submissions. Pretty good grappling is, uh, and I like didn't even know about him until I just saw him win a fight, and now he's ranked as uh, Hente Boa. I like this guy. Santiago Ponzinibbio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be main eventing a show coming up, I think, in August. So, Yeah, he gets Gunnar Nelson, who there's another guy who, like, yeah. he just keeps getting stuck with, like, guys between 10 and 15. And it's like, because he doesn't complain, he doesn't get anything better, I guess. I don't know what it is, but he should be – he deserves better. If you look at his record and what he's done, like, he should be getting the, you know, the Neil Magnes at least. Yeah, I mean – he only really ran into Damian Maya in his most recent fights, which, I mean, obviously, Damian Maya is beating everybody, so that's not anything yeah. to be ashamed of. But and what's Condit's deal, anyway? Like, is he is he still fighting? If, like, he's on the rankings here, and I'm seeing him, but... I think, I think it's he's kind of on the fence. Yeah, I think it's an open question. I don't think he's officially retired, but he's at least taking a hiatus. So, yeah, I wonder how long, like, until they bump you off the rankings list. I think it's supposed to be a year, but gotcha. it's really up to their own discretion. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. One day, one day, you just look, and uh, you know, Kyogi Horiguchi is gone forever. Condit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. is like my favorite fighter of all time, so I hope he comes back. Yeah. Uh, my last pick. I have a miscellaneous lot to choose from. Since there's no more picks, I guess I could go through all my options here. I got Roy Nelson's chin as a possibility. <laughs> Clay Guida or Ioanni and Jacek's cardio. John Lineker, his punching power. Or, or Anthony Johnson, but he kind of retired. So, uh, Or Anthony Pettis's creativity, Showtime. But I think, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go Frankie Edgar's heart. The guy... Mm-hmm. I like that. Just... Doesn't quit. We've Actually, seen... Gunnar Nelson's another guy for grappling. Yeah, exactly. Damn good. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Frank Yeager, we've seen him get just demolished by Gray Maynard, even in that Jeremy Stevens fight, and it doesn't matter. He fights for anything to keep on trucking. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, was it the Gray Maynard fight in, like, the first round he got hit and, like, literally did, like, a backflip across the canvas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one Pretty... of my favorite fights of all time. Yeah. But yeah, let's see. Our finishing finished products, our Frankenstein's are Alex has Ioanni and Jacek striking, Daniel Cormier's wrestling, Renato Jacare Souza's 
grappling, Francis Ngannou's power, and John Jones' athleticism. Not, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not getting in the ring with that guy. <laughs> no. I'm calling out sick. <laughs> Brooks, I'm pulling can, the Khabib. Yeah, yeah, pull out the last second. Yeah, I'm driving myself to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, you got Conor McGregor striking, George St. Pierre's wrestling, Nate Diaz grappling, Jose Aldo's leg kicks, and Dominic Cruz movement. Like, not too shabby either. Especially yeah. that McGregor GSP combination. Like, that's yeah. nothing to be fucked around with. Um, and until Garbrandt, like, no one even touches Cruz. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Just the way he ducks and dodges everything. He got the five Ds or whatever from Dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my creation is Stephen Thompson's striking, Demetrius Johnson's wrestling, Damian Maya's grappling, Conor McGregor's drawing ability, pay-per-view drawing ability, and Frank Yeager's heart, which I like my guy. I'm not going to lie, but we all got some pretty competitive fighters here. Yeah. As far as honorable mentions for these categories, does anybody have anything before I go through mine? I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, maybe, like, Ronda Rousey's armbar. There you go. Uh, Nick Diaz has selling power. He's got attitude. Yeah, I guess you could just go, like, uh, personality in the cage type thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I already I threw out a couple I thought about, like Gunnar Nelson's grappling, obviously. Um, I think, you know, you could say, like, uh, Cerrone's striking. I think he's a, he's a really good striker. I think, um, uh, you know, there's other, yeah, there's other solid wrestlers, like Velasquez is a really good wrestler um, and just a really powerful wrestler. Uh, you know, I think uh, in terms of power, you could even, you know, you could go with, like, a Mike Perry even. I mean, that guy, just yeah. for just raw power, I mean, it seems like he... Has everything you could want. Uh, athleticism is something you know. I was I was saying I was I went with John Jones, but I was thinking about Yair Rodriguez because I just love some of the dynamic you know approaches and different styles he brings. Because guys aren't really prepared to defend some of the different things he throws at them. Yeah, speaking um, of creativity, yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, I mean, I just think you know, like Max Holloway's composure, maybe or like poise. You know, there's something to like what he brings to the table. Where he's just kind of always level headed and calm. I think Stipe kind of brings that too. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Michael Bisbang's accent, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good if you're creating a villain, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got uh, Carlos Condit and Cody Garbrandt for striking. John Jones, Cain Velasquez, Ben Askren for wrestling. And Shinya Aoki and Rosemir Pajares for grappling. Some options. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the Korean zombie's got a pretty good chin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan Henderson's right hand. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of Korean Zombie, best T-shirt in the business for a long time. Yeah, that's a great name. I mean, yeah, yeah I didn't oh, know yeah. about that guy obviously because you know I started watching last year, and then when he came back in February, I was like, oh, that's a compelling Definitely, Korean yeah. Zombie. What's this guy all about? Like, it's got some mystique about him. I'll give you my fight pass. You got to go watch some of his old fights. Always, I've got fight pass. I'm oh, good. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely good to be able to go back and watch some of that stuff because yeah, if I see a name of somebody that I'm curious about, like yeah, nice his, to be able to do that. His fight with um, Dustin Poirier when Poirier was real young. Now that I think that was like a fight of the year contender. Uh, I think I did watch that. Actually. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, that's a good one. 
right. I think, yeah, in preparation for this fight, I watched a couple of the old ones, and I think that was one of them, because I remember a really young Poirier. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, before we get out of here, let's preview the upcoming cards real quick, which there's only three, so it shouldn't take too long. Uh, this Friday, actually, Bellator, 149. Maybe one of the progressively more and more Bellator cards worth watching, as we talked about a little bit here. Uh, Rory McDonald, speaking of guys coming over from the UFC, in their prime even, is fighting Paul Daly in the main event, who's coming off a big win over someone who I cannot remember the name <laughs> right this second, but uh, he's a knockout artist. He's been in the UFC too. Uh, Brennan Ward. Yeah, there you go. Brennan Ward, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The um, flying knee. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, Paul Daly used to be in the UFC until he got kicked out for punching Josh Koscheck after the bell during their fight, and he's gone on to have success in Bellator and other places. But uh, Rory McDonald, this is the first fight since he moved over to Bellator. Back-to-back losses to Robbie Lawler and Stephen Thompson. Busted up his nose pretty bad in both of them. It's going to be interesting to see if he uh, if he's still the what is his stupid nickname uh, the Red King or uh, yeah he changed it or something yeah see if he's still got it if he's still I mean he's still really young I feel like he's in his late twenties mid to late twenties so uh, yes he seems to, like nullify everybody's game yeah great defense great defensive fighter but who do you got here uh, Brooks well I'm I'm definitely going to go with Roy McDonald but I mean. Paul Daly, yeah, he had a good win, but he definitely hasn't done that much. But you never really know with uh, Roy McDonald. Like you said, his face was pretty badly beaten up. He didn't look that great in the Stephen Thompson fight. It was a good fight, but... Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I'll go with Roy McDonald, but I do think Paul Daly has a puncher's, legit puncher's chance. And it yeah. is five rounds, and I don't think McDonald is going to finish him. So he's at least got five rounds to land that punch. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, so I've watched uh, McDonald Lawler and McDonald Thompson. Uh, Paul Daly, I watched... No, I guess I didn't watch any Paul Daly. Yeah, I, I did watch Liam McGeary, who's also on this card, uh, you know, earlier this year. Um, and I think, yeah, I, and I rewatched that fight of him and Phil Davis, because Phil Davis, I had, I had known from seeing some of the older UFC fights, and then to see this guy leave UFC get that immediate title shot and then win it. It made me want to go check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't really know Paul Daly, so I don't have a lot of knowledge there. Just looking at, I mean, he's got a pretty accomplished resume. He's beaten Masvidal. I mean, that was forever ago. He, but he lost to Woodley just as long ago. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names I don't recognize in the mix of all this. Um, I think I give the edge to a Rory. I mean, he's a little younger. He's probably hungrier. He's just starting a new contract with a new company. He wants to prove himself. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, he's he beat Woodley. He did it recently. It wasn't that long ago that he did it. I mean, he's he's a very, very capable fighter. So I, I think I'm going to have to go with McDonald. Yeah, good call. I think he should easily secure a title shot with this win. I'm surprised they didn't give him one right away, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But, uh, yeah. Phil Davis won. I mean, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, Bellator is going to Bellator. We'll see how that goes. But let's move on to UFC Fight Night 109 in Stockholm, Sweden, next weekend. Uh, The prodigal son, Alexander Gustafsson, is going to fight Glover Teixeira in the main event. Um, 
Yeah, two of the only five good fighters in this division that they got. So, and uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they fought before. So, should be fun. Should be uh, interesting. One of the few interesting fights they can put together here. It's so, the only matchup to be made. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, such a no-brainer now with Bader gone and Johnson retiring. I think the winner is going to get the next title shot, no matter what. And um, I think the UFC is hoping that it's Gustafson because him and Cormier had such a great battle. Uh, and Cormier's first defense of that title. And obviously, Gustafson Jones won. was an incredible close fight. Uh, probably still the closest of Jones' career. And Glover Teixeira, no slouch either. He bounced back after losing to John Jones. He might have lost two in a row at some point, but he's he's on a bit of a streak now. Beat uh, Jared Conanier last time out pretty impressively, so... This is a close fight. I I think I'm leaning towards Gustafson. I think he's just a little bit more of a complete fighter, but it's it's going to be close. What do you think, Alex? I think I'm going to go with Glover. Okay. Um, I think you know, and really, I don't have enough you know a good reason. I mean, I'm just kind of you know in looking at the guys Gustafson has has beaten, and yeah, you're right in that like he really did you know give Jones some degree of competition when you know Jones never really sees that. Um, he did, you know, I mean, his record's very impressive, but, you know, he's lost to Jones, Johnson, and Cormier, and Phil Davis also. But I just, I feel like Glover is just a little more tested. Like, he's he's beaten some guys on the level that I think, you know, like, he's beaten a Ryan Bader. He's beaten a Quinton Jackson, you know, like, I, you know, maybe that was not, you know, Quinton Jackson circa 2005 or whatever. But, I mean, he's... um. To me, I just Glover Teixeira is a little more of an established fighter. I I think you know he's thirty seven. He's older, so I mean maybe Gustafsson has an edge in that Glover's lost a step. But in that fight with young hungry Canyonier, he didn't seem like he had lost a step at all. So I mean I think Glover is really still like this. He probably recognizes this is his last shot to make another good go at a title. Like if he doesn't win, then that he can probably, you know, it's probably hard to see how he's going to get another title opportunity before he would be at a point where he'd be looking at retiring, or at least should be looking at retiring, you would think. You never know with these guys anymore, it seems like. But, um, yeah, I, I, for that reason, I think I'm inclined to say Glover. And then, you know, just knowing that Gustafsson has more time to, you know, work his way up. Yeah, yeah. that's a good call. I think it's a pretty much a coin flip. I mean, I'm sure the yeah. betting odds back that up. Uh, I can see it going either way, but Brooks, you got to break this tie. Who's it going to be? <laughs> I'm going to go with Alexander Gustafson. Um, I, I just think he's a bit of the better fighter here. Um, yeah, you're kind of right. It's kind of a toss-up. I mean, either fighter's got a chance at their game and implementing their game and getting the win here. I just think Gustafson's going to implement that kind of circle boxing jab game on Glover and Glover's going to be looking to throw the heavy punches, and I just think Alexander's going to be able to uh, outstrike him a bit there. Yeah. yeah. It's hard It's hard not to, you know, like, it's still in the back of my head, you know, picking Glover on, like, you know, that memory of him getting knocked out in 13 seconds by Rumble is, is <sighs> always going to be there now. Good. Yeah, just got his face melted. On that <laughs> I mean, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, this is, like, the only great fight on this card. Uh, and really the only other fight really worth talking about in my opinion unless you guys had other ones was again the light heavyweight division uh maybe <laughs> gustafson and Teixeira like the only two contenders that are available yes. and misha Serkinov and vulcan ozdemir are like the two of the only prospects in the division at this yeah. point um 
It's funny because Austin Mir, he's like one of these guys where just because other guys have been cut or released, like he's yeah. gone from like 14th in the standings to like fifth just it's by crazy. nature of like uh, going up without like any fights. Like, yeah. It seems like everyone else is either losing or getting cut. And so as a result, Austin Mir's like, well, you're a top five contender, buddy. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, off the power of Ew. maybe a split decision off against OSP. Uh, yeah. I think he has one or two. Fights. And meanwhile, I mean, you say like, yeah, the winner of Gustafsson to share, it does seem like probably the next contender. But I know they've said like Jimmy Manoa is going to have a fight on that Cormier Jones card just with the knowledge that he's the backup if anything should happen. And um, uh, if you're Jimmy Manoa, you're really hoping that's not true because, true. you know, yeah. he, he wants to get in there somehow. Yeah. I forgot about Jimmy Manuel. He's definitely the other guy up there he, right now. People tend to do that, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah. Basic point. But yeah, um, boy. <laughs> but as far as Serkinov, Ozdemir, I don't know. I haven't really seen enough of these guys to really give a thorough breakdown. But I'll go with Serkinov. I just think he's been in the UFC longer. He's probably had. I know OSP is a decent head on Ozdemir's. Uh, I don't forgot the word of uh, when you mount mantle. Yeah, mantle. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> But uh, I think Serkinov, he just beat Krylov in a pretty uh, decisive way, who I thought was a nice up-and-coming fighter. So I'm, I'm leaning towards Serkinov by, like, a late submission or unanimous decision here. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think I've definitely seen more of Serkinov, um, and he's been he looks pretty good as of late, and I'm glad they worked out that contract dispute. Um, I think he's going to just keep it on the up-and-up and, up and uh, take the win here. Yep. Yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, all I've seen from Ozdemir is a split decision win over OSP, and OSP, you know, certainly, I don't think was looking super impressed. I mean, granted, now you you kind of look back and you're like, well, he lost to John Jones, Manoa, and Ozdemir, and then if Ozdemir were to win, all of a sudden it like kind of minimizes those three losses in a row in a in a, in a way where like, yes, he <laughs> lost three times in a row, but maybe they were all amazing and we just didn't necessarily know it at the time. So you know, if you're OSP, you're certainly rooting for Ozdemir, I think, but. <laughs> no I think just based on the body of work that I have in front of me at this point, I have to go Serkinov. For sure. And uh, any other fights on this card before we move on for you guys? Uh, it's really not that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be something. The only like, name up, I even but... recognize is Chris Camozzi. Yeah, see. And Martina Held, I think. I'll be watching, and hopefully someone or some fights surprise me. But, yeah, as far as any knowledge whatsoever, that's all I got. Uh, all right, let's move on to UFC 212 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I think it's June 3rd it takes place. There are three type of UFC pay-per-view cards, right? There's incredible main event, maybe a great co-main event, but just incredibly top-heavy and a lot of filler underneath. There's the cards like UFC 211, which are kind of... There's really no incredible fight where the common fan is going to really be sucked in. This was more of a hardcore card where it's super deep, stacked, lots of interesting fights, but not that one that's going to break through. And then there's the rare ones like UFC 205, which are both. Yeah. UFC yeah. 212 is the former, the first kind. It's It's got an incredible main event, maybe one of my most anticipated fights of the year. But other than that, there's not a ton to get excited about. There's a few things, 
which we'll talk what, about. What, you're not ready for Antonio Carlos Jr. and Eric Spicely? <laughs> oh, that's the only other one. No, <laughs> yeah, that's – it's interesting. And I guess it's because it's in Brazil. They like to have some local fighters there. Maybe there's not anyone that was available at the top of any di- particular division that could uh, slide in. But at least we got Aldo and Holloway, which is where we'll start. This is an incredible fight. Jose Aldo, the only fight he's lost in – I don't know how many years is that 13 second knockout to Conor McGregor. And that, I wouldn't say that is a fluke, but if they fought again a hundred more times, I don't think that would ever happen again. Yeah. And he proved that he's not going to just go away after that by coming back and just pretty clearly dominating Frank Yeager and putting on maybe the best performance of his career. Yeah. And Max Holloway, is on a ridiculous 10 or 11 fight win streak. Um, coming off winning the interim title fight against Anthony Showtime Pettis. He gets more and more impressive each time out against better and better competition. He's younger. He's hungrier, I would imagine. Uh, just incredible matchup of styles. He's probably going to stay on the feet for the most part because Aldo has incredible takedown defense. And I don't think Holloway's really looking to get a fight on the ground most of the time. But um, yeah, I don't. I I really think this is a coin flip as well. I don't know who I'm going to pick, so I'm going to throw it to Brooks. <laughs> yeah, this is I think a coin flip. I think it's what it really comes down to is we're going to really see what Max Holloway is made out of because I think we know really kind of what to expect out of Jose Aldo. Like you said, he's only got the one loss, and you can't really call it a fluke, but it was. I, it's definitely not part for the course, so. We know what Jose Aldo comes with, and I mean, we've seen Max Holloway, he definitely comes with it, but we're really going to see what he's made out of here, and if he can uh, stand up to the test of Jose Aldo. In my opinion, I think Jose Aldo's just going to be too solid for him. Um, as good as Holloway's looked and as good as he is, I just think Aldo's got a few extra pieces to his game that, um, I mean, it's impossible to take down. He's really hard to strike against. Uh, he's, I mean, like... Frankie Eiger's amazing, and he just couldn't get anything done against Jose Aldo their last time out. So yeah, I just think Jose Aldo's going to pull it out. What do you think, Alex? I'm going with my boy Max Holloway. I'm a huge Max Holloway <laughs> fan. I love Max Holloway. He was one of the first fighters that I really like saw, and I was like, oh, this is going to be one of my guys. I can tell right away. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely biased, but I am, I am so, so, so hoping Max Holloway pulls this one out. I'm really, really uh, – I feel like this is one of those guys who's been, you know, deserving a title shot for a, for a while now. He's, he's probably earned it a couple times over, and he just kept taking fights anyway and just kept doing everything that was asked of him. Keeps winning and winning and winning, and I feel like, you know, the, the way the story is supposed to end is for him to come out on top. That's the way I feel. I mean, certainly when I started watching, it probably – you know, from my perspective, it probably doesn't hurt that I didn't see, like, the the legend of Jose Aldo at its peak. So, you know what I mean? I came along after that when he'd already been, like, demystified by, you know, Connor. Yeah. And then basically the only Jose Aldo I've seen is the one that's, like, you know, whining about, you know, getting shots that, you know. But, like, I, I haven't seen the same Jose Aldo. It's, I'm sure it's unfair. You know what I mean? But, like. The Aldo I see is one that's lost and has been, like, demanding for entitlements ever since. So it's very different from, like, I'm sure the legend that existed for, like, the last, like, 12 years that just dominated everybody. But got to go with Holloway based on my experience. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And I guess to break this tie, I got to 
got to figure something out here. The one is great and forever. He's been one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport. As great as he's always been, Jose Aldo has had one weakness, and that's and, and and he's actually been getting better at it, especially in that Edgar fight at UFC 200. He he tends to gas, not terribly, but just enough to lose effectiveness. Just like in the first Frankie Edgar fight, he clearly won the first two rounds. The third round was fairly close, and then Edgar clearly won the last two as he slowed down. If that happens again here, I think Holloway has more explosive weapons on the feet than Frankie Edgar does. And I think it's going to come down to that third round. I, th- I could see Aldo winning the first two, Holloway winning the last two, and it's all going to fall in that third round if uh, if Holloway can turn the tide fast enough. And I'm going to say that he does. I'm going to pick Holloway here. And, and I just think it would be better for the division, honestly, if Holloway won, because then you have a natural match between Frank Yeager and Max Holloway after that. And Jose Aldo has been talking about moving up to lightweight for years. He can finally do that. Don't have to worry about that weight cut. Go chase Conor McGregor at lightweight instead of featherweight. So that's very true. I think that's how I see it playing out, but I would certainly not be surprised if he retained as well and completely stopped up the featherweight division. Yeah, and then it gets messy. You know? yeah. yeah, then it's like, does he go up anyway? Or does Cub Swanson get the next shot? It's... It gets a little weird if he wins. And Connor tells him that belt doesn't count anyway because he <laughs> yeah. didn't beat before it. And yep. yeah, it's just all a mess. Absolutely. So, um, but the co-main event is actually a pretty good fight. Uh, maybe I downplayed that it's incredibly top-heavy. At least the second fight down is one I'm looking forward to quite a bit as well. It's both of the people that Ioana Janjacek beat her last two times out before UFC 211, Claudia. Gadea against Karolina Kowalkiewicz. Um, both, are, I think, are clearly two and three in the division, without a doubt. I would say Gadea is would probably be champion if it wasn't for Ioana because she's pretty amazing as well. Uh, and like I was saying earlier, I think Karolina is kind of just a s- slightly to moderately lesser version of Ioana. Obviously, they're both... Polish, which is not what I'm getting at. I think they have kind of similar striking styles and approaches. Yeah, well, they're both the like Muay Thai background too, yeah. right? They form a Muay Thai champions, I think, both of them. Yeah, and this fight's only three rounds, which eliminates the possibility of Claudia gassing for the third, fourth, and fifth rounds again. So I think, um, I think I'm going to go with Claudia Gadea here to win two out of three rounds in a unanimous decision. And retain her spot as the number one contender, even though I doubt she'll get another shot at Yuana anytime soon. Alex, how do you see this one playing out? Um, it's tough. I feel like I don't have like real good perspective on Claudia. Like the only fight of hers I really saw was um, like I don't even think I've seen her fight with Yuana. I definitely saw her fight with Courtney Casey, and then I just saw Courtney Casey win <laughs> like a fight she wasn't supposed to win. So that makes you know Claudia look that much better. Um, but I thought Carolina looked really, really game against Joanna uh, at times. You know, I, I thought she, you know, represented a very legitimate competition. Um, so it's tough. And, I mean, she's already beaten Rose Namahunas, like you talked about earlier. I mean, granted, that was a split decision. Uh, I could definitely see it going either way. I feel like I want to give the edge to Carolina. 
All right, I like it. We got dissension again. This is always fun when we have this. So yeah, Brooks, it's up to you once more. Uh, I've always liked Claudia like a lot, um, so I'm gonna go for her in this one. I think it's a really close fight. I think you're right in saying that she probably doesn't. I don't know if either of these get right back to a shot as a title, but um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Gadalia on this one. I just think she's uh, the better fighter. I feel like you could have made that a little more dramatic, but point taken. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Claudia Irmer's finished, or it seemed like Shimmer's finished Urana. She dominated her for two rounds, which is more than anyone else can say. So, yeah, I agree with you, obviously. Uh, another interesting fight is World Series of Fighting's Bantamweight champion Marlon Marais finally making his UFC debut. Against a very tough opponent in his first time out, Rafael Sunsau, a perennial top five bantamweight, who I think just recently beat Aljamain Sterling by decision, and his only losses of late are against T.J. Dillashaw. So the question is, can Marias continue to dominate in the UFC the way he was doing over there? Obviously, competition-wise, it's probably the best he's faced right away. But I actually like Marias here. I think he trains with Eddie Alvarez and Frankie Edgar. He's been finishing fights. It's not like he's just winning close decisions. So, And Asuncao is solid and as good as he is. He just seems like that classic gatekeeper at the top. Like to top five, six gatekeeper that if you're really at the elite of the division, you should be able to take care of business even if it's not pretty or it's not completely decisive so i'm going marlon marias here brooks who do you like uh, i didn't see much marias in world series of fighting um i know he's had some good wins and um the finishes like you said but then again i don't this is a tough one for me i uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go with marlon marias even though i haven't seen much of him i just he was that champion. He's on a pretty good streak. So I just, but I would say Asanto definitely has a pretty almost equal chance of winning. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Marais. All right. Thought we might have a tie to break again, but we'll see what uh, Alex thinks anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess my reasoning is weak, but I mean, who really knows anything, right? I mean, it's just kind of looking at you know Marlon Marais is you know the guys he's fought. Um, it's like all his title defenses, those guys don't even have Wikipedia pages, which like, you know, I, that shouldn't mean anything, but it kind of does. I it's don't know. Never little, like it stuff. does. It affects me. Maybe it shouldn't. But like just the fact that Usun Sao, I mean, Aljo Sterling is no joke. Like I really like that guy. He's really good. And yeah, it was a split decision and it was close. But the fact that Usun Sao, you know, handled him, I just, um, you know, yeah, David Branch, you know, just showed that, you know, World Series of Fighting is no joke, obviously, but he was fighting like the number nine guy, not like the number four or five guy. So I feel like maybe that's the discrepancy. So I'll give it to a sunset. Cool. Yeah. And either way, the winner of this immediately should put themselves right up there, top of the line, maybe a top contender fight coming yeah, up next. Get, get a Lineker or something <laughs> after this. Yeah. Lineker, Dominic Cruz, who knows what he's doing next. Right. So, yeah, interesting. And the only other fight I thought that was worth mentioning is Vitor Belfort's retirement fight. Last fight of his career, so he says, until he retires for two years, comes back to Bellator and fights Vanderlei Silva or something like that. He yeah. is fighting Nate Marquardt. 
to top it off, who it's remarkable that he's still in the UFC. So either they're trying to give Vitor a chance to go out in style or who knows what they're doing here. But I'll say Vitor Belfort knocks him out in the second round and uh, calls it quits. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, this is definitely was set up for Vitor to win. I mean, Mark Hart coming off a loss to my buddy Sam Alvey. So I think, you know, he's definitely looking at the twilight of his career every bit as much as Vitor is. I think this is really one that's, um, you know, set up much the way that, um, you know, Uriah, you know, went out on Brad Pickett or whatever. You know, it kind of feels like that where it's like, you know, he's, he's not going out um, against a top contender, but we're going to set him up against someone he should be able to have like a nice showcase against as like kind of a lasting legacy or lasting memory of what this guy did for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brooks, I know, I feel like we've talked about Nate Marquardt uh, needing to be cut every time we do one of these podcasts, but he's still around. Right. That's crazy that Vitor's still around. This is a good fight. I would have rather seen Anderson versus Vitor. That would have been really fun, I think. Um, I have no hope. That's little hope I have in Vitor. I have no hope in Nate Marquardt. Um. Although anything can happen when you're that old, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm gonna go with Vitor. I just think he's he's really he needs a win, and um, I just think he's just gonna be able to outdo Nate pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's a shame that we couldn't give Vitor Belfort Anderson Silva too as a way to send him out in style. Yeah, but Anderson Silva being a little picky. Once that interim title shot against Yoel Romero, and they're not going to give it to him. So, who knows what's going on there. That's a whole lot of drama that I'm sure we'll get some updates on as we move ahead. But I think that'll about do it for this episode, unless you guys have any other fights on 212 that I'm missing. Didn't really see anything. Nothing jumps out to me. All right, cool. Well, as always, Alex, glad to have you on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Good talking to you. Yeah. But, uh, Always yeah. a pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm, I'm going to Jones and Cormier now, so we can, we can talk after for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And where can people find you online? I'm sure they already know if they're listening to this, but you never know. Might sure, yeah. Funny. I'm on Twitter at Alex Kidwell, or, um, yeah, I mean, feel free to just look me up on various social medias. I'm not too hard to find, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And check out Rob has a podcast. If you're into yeah. reality shows, you'll love it. Yeah, we're doing some good stuff over there. It's For fun. sure. Brooks, where are you at? I'm at Brooks Phelan on Twitter. Um, That's about it, free. isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm at The Oriole Report on Twitter. The podcast is at Red Belt Report. And subscribe to us on iTunes through the Redbox Report. Or the Red Belt Report. Either way, you'll get our show. So, until next time, we'll talk to you. Later.
dziecinu słońce on obrócił się w pył Jeśli masz złe dni, to nie daj się ponieść Najważniejsze rzeczy to miłość, przyjaźń i zdrowie Ile pięknych chwil, jest jeszcze przed domu pomyśl Ile pięknych chwil, mamy już za sobą ich tak Wciąż na nowo gotowość, realizacja Coś ze sobą to dla was mobilizacja Akcja, akcja, no właśnie czas ten nastał By pokonać każde gówno, które cię przerasta By powiedzieć trudno zamiast, kurwa się puchlastać Wiara to największa siła, on to szczera prawda Twoje dłonie, a twój okręt nie zatonie Bo nieważne jaki wiek, gadko wiesz, wóz nie odląda się przed ciebie pan I bym nie tracił w rzutce ruch, brak uwagi skupił wielu Nie brać wiary w siebie nigdy, bo to nie wiara ciągnie nas na dno Zawsze do przodu, zawsze unikaj nałogów Ja miałam ich więcej niż na twojej głowie włosów Patrz, jaki ten świat z pozoru trudny A o tym nie mówmy, brat, bo to by był inny brat Tak, zmieniłam nastawienie, zmieniłam otoczenie Spod ziemia na ziemię, z bramy na scenę Spełniam marzenie, wiatr w oczy nie wieje Jak w te dni co było źle, bo teraz wciąż się śmieje Chcę wygrać swoje życie, tak by swój los przechytrzyć Nigdy na dno, nawet jak go wciągało mnie w sesidły Te chwile znikły, a ten świat jest dla mnie milczy Mam nowe pomysły, a na nie Apetyt wieczy tak, nie chcę żałować nic Chcę robić to co kocham żyć A co na to ty, pewnie jak ja ziomal Stelz swój głoń, jak jest swój los na ramionach I niech nikt cię nie zatrzyma Nic cię nie pochrona Przyjdź ster w swoje dłonie A twój okręt nie zatronie Bo nieważne jaki wiek Jak robisz kurs Nie ogląda się przed ciebie bar Nigdy nie trać co wrzuć celu Brak uwagi skupił wielu Nie brać wiary w siebie nigdy Bo to nie wiara ciągnie nas na dno Zrymi ster w swoje dłonie A twój okręt nie zatronie Bo nieważne jaki wiek Jak robisz kurs Nie ogląda się przed ciebie bar Nigdy nie trać co wrzuć celu Brak uwagi skupił wielu Nie brać wiary w siebie nigdy Bo to nie wiara ciągnie nas na dno